Welcome to More of That Presents Discographology, the podcast where a Springfield, Missouri band dives deep into a band's catalog, one album at a time. I am Matt. I play guitar. I'm Josh on bass. I'm Logan on guitar. I'm Blake and I play the drums. And we are More of That. about things like the Nazca Lines. Were they runways for alien spaceships? And did those aliens interbreed with the ancient Peruvians? Did they? Read the book. Dial 1-800-COLLECT. It's easy and it's 10 cents a minute every evening all week long. Forget real. You'd rather be playing video games. You can rent them from Blockbuster. They've got more of the coolest new Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and Sega Genesis games for rent than anyone in the world. The future's toughest cop time to save his family. Are we still together in 10 years? You can bet on it. Jean-Claude Van Damme, Time Cop, NBC Sunday. Ricola. Old Navy, a great connection for adults, kids, and baby. Oh. Magic, your deal. There's an odd, unexplainable phenomenon haunting Pizza Hut. Is it another worldly spirit compelling these people to eat their pizza the wrong way? No, it's new stuffed crust pizza with a ring of cheese baked in the edge of a totally new thinner crust. Maybe what you need isn't just another camera. What you need is an advanced photo system like Kodak Advantix. It's a special kind of film. It's a different kind of camera. It's a better way to take pictures further. Next, and all new Suddenly Susan has Bob Dole. Thank goodness Elizabeth's kept her day job. And his nose for comedy. I think that drink had an umbrella in it a minute ago. Nine great waterbeds, your choice, just $249.99 each. Only at Big Sore Waterbeds, America's largest. 650 East Battlefield, just east of Campbell in Springfield. Imagine a world where time drifts slowly before Spotify and Napster. A world where music carries you away. To the 1990s. A magical time where Gregorian chant albums went double platinum and you bought music by dialing a 1 800 number. Experience discographology pure moves, the perfect podcast for your way of life or for your aunt who is really into healing crystals and essential oils. Compiled by Virgin Records, direct from Europe, 
and at times uncomfortably appropriated from indigenous peoples around the world without attribution, this multi-platinum collection has won the hearts of millions of Subaru owners and donors to public broadcasting. Pure ecstasy, pure moods, no other collection of what Pitchfork's Mina Tavacoli calls mild conceptual lunacy paired with baffling commercial success captures the mood better. This week on Discographology, Pure Moods, over two hours of pure, undiluted enjoyment. There's never been a podcast like it until now. Set adrift with the timeless pleasures of Tubular Bells, the first release from Virgin Records and recorded by 19-year-old Mike Oldfield. Take a trip into unknown underground rave clubs with a remix of the X-Files theme. Pure emotion, pure pleasure, weather on the eights. No other collection gives you the feeling of pure moods. Get yours now on cassette or compact disc but unfortunately not on LP reissue. To listen to our Pure Moods episode, have your Burning Sage bundle ready and call the number on your screen or send check or money order for $15.99 for cassette or $17.99 for CD plus shipping and handling to the Ox Audio Patreon. Instant delivery is available. Call now. Welcome back to Discographology, <laughs> the podcast that's pure ecstasy, pure pleasure, pure moods. Uh, as you pure heard moods. from, <laughs> as you heard from the intro, uh, this week we are covering. Uh, the Virgin Records 1997 version of the Pure Moods compilation, uh, which was one of many um, direct marketing musical compilations that uh, we all remember hearing the commercials for uh, ad nauseum. Uh, w- what is the mood? Uh, I-, I think we're, we're going to find out as we, uh, <laughs> as, as we, we talk down. But uh, I, I was noticing, guys, uh, I think this is the first podcast that we've recorded since uh, the time change, and, and the daylight is freaking me out. I, I feel like this, th- this, this subject in particular need, needs, uh, needs some candlelight to, to uh, <laughs> appropriately uh, address. Yes, I should have lit I some I need incense. to be in a temple. <laughs> I'm in the more more of that cave, and uh, it's 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 always uh, nighttime here. <laughs> it's always nighttime yeah. in the more of that cave. I love it. Yep, <laughs> got the shades drawn, so I I really hadn't even noticed the daylight. But now that nope. you mention it, yeah, uh, my history uh, is concurrent with anyone who watched television in you know the in the late '90s. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, I was uh, mainly familiar with the compilation uh, through the commercials. We weren't really the type of family to to buy things over television, uh, and, and it wasn't really our, our our kind of music at the time either. Um, so, kind of uh, the the marketing campaign, you know, achieved their awareness uh, uh, target, but uh, but but we weren't buying in in the Taylor House. <laughs> I listened to, as I listen to most things, uh, in, in earbuds and, uh, also driving around in the car. So, um, pretty, pretty much, uh, the, the same, uh, same fashion that I, I listened to mo- most stuff for the show. As much as I would have loved to listen to some sort of splatter color, uh, reissue vinyl <laughs> as Matt, uh, Matt, uh, so, uh, succinctly put it in the beginning, it's very unfortunate they never redid it. Um, I list, I just listened on. Actually, this was not one that's just easily findable on Apple Music and stuff. So there had been like people who had done made playlists on Apple Music and all the other streamers, I'm sure. Did any streaming service, by the way, just just have this or were they all like fan made playlists? Well, Spotify was fan made as well. Okay. Likewise with, with YouTube from what I found. There was one yeah. YouTube that I um, where it was like everything was there, but it was all in one video, so you couldn't yes. like, skip. Yes, I tracks. think I saw the same okay. one, Logan, and I think some of those tracks were really jacked up. And one of those, they had, had the entirety of Tubular Bells Part One. Oh no! In the middle of it, oh, and God. it's like, come on! It was a mess, <laughs> and it, was, it sounded awful. From you go from playlist to playlist, and there will be different versions of these songs since there are so many remixes and interpretations. Sometimes they'll have a different interpretation of what "Firewalk with Me" means. Um, so you never know what you're going to get. Anyway, I I think I listened as accurately as I could, just in the car a lot, um, on the on the studio monitors and little bit of earbud listening. I'm trying to do that less. Anyway, my, my history is that uh, I am have a almost a severe sense memory. Uh, when I put on this commercial on YouTube, um, it kind of came flooding back to me. It was bizarre how, how I kind of knew every beat of the commercial, every shot of a unicorn prancing through the forest <laughs> with some some white woman dancing. I, I was like, oh, it's all coming back to me now. Each little musical drop, I, I, I remember this. Um, so that was kind of weird. It was an interesting sense memory journey. But uh, I was also in a, in a household where buying something off the TV would have been anathema. We didn't do that sort of thing in my household. And... My mom had some musical tastes, and my dad did too, but it, it wasn't this. We never had this. This was my first real listen through to the whole thing. Some of the tracks I had heard, um, maybe like maybe like half and half. Um, I recognize more than I thought that I would. Yeah. I listened to this on CD. I was able to find a new CD on Amazon for like 11, That's wild. 11 bucks. So, uh, of course, it had to show up. You know, cracked and everything. So, oh no, um, cracked the case or the oh, CD? just the case, just oh, the case. Uh, yeah, um, okay. But you know, that. not the not the disc though. But uh, so I listened on my uh, '90s boombox, and <laughs> I <laughs> also found some. You know, made do with some playlists, made my own playlist, and everything on YouTube Music, and 
got through it just fine. But like you guys, I definitely remember seeing the commercials. Uh, since I was an avid X-Files fan, I think I was always most pumped for the commercial for the dancey X-Files music over the pyramid <laughs> Im- imagery. Yeah. That was a big like thing that was just kind of burned into my memory. Uh, hearing Enya and Enigma for the first time was also memorable. I'm almost sure if I scanned all my old VHS tapes for taped commercials, I would this this would be in there somewhere. <laughs> But I specifically remember Enigma's. Uh, how are we saying this? Uh, Sodiness, because it's a, uh, it's like sadness, but it's also like Marquis yeah. de Sade. It, I have no clue. And me thinking, uh, okay. is this what uh, adults listen to <laughs> when they're uh, having temporary adults, perhaps relations? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So. Also, the the, tw- the Twin Peaks theme was tucked away in there too, mm. um, and I I think back. Then as a kid, I identified and labeled this kind of music as new age. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also were not a type of family to buy like CDs off off of commercials. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's more way uh, it's way more nuanced than new age. But at the time, I thought this was music that like wood elves listen to or like <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah. I'm joking. But I thought this music would be like playing at the dentist office lobby. Uh, I honestly had no idea who this music was made for, but whenever I saw the commercial boy, was I overcome with a sense of wanting to beg my parents to buy pure moods for me <laughs> so I could hear X-Files and the provocative Enigma music. So I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it was a fun listen. I uh, So I at first tried to listen on Spotify, as, as Blake talked about, and it's not correct. And then I went to YouTube, and that didn't seem to be correct either. So I ended up just uh, listening to Logan's version that he ripped to Dropbox for us all to listen to. That was yes, how I, I tended to. to some of them I don't think I need to listen to as much. Uh, there's a few songs on here that I, I feel like if you were born at the time we were and grew up in the early 90s to mid 90s, like they're probably mm-hmm. part of your subconscious. So don't need to necessarily really listen to them and go like, okay, I don't remember this song well. Although there's a handful in here that I didn't know at all. Um, that being said, though, um, ha- I have a brother who is eight years older than I am, and as a result, I tended to get exposed to some of these moments of popular culture when I was younger, and this was one of them, because I'm pretty sure he, he either bought this, he definitely bought an Enigma CD. I know for a fact he owned wow. an Enigma album at one point, um, as, and a Gregorian Chants album, um, like Gregorian <laughs> Chants with techno beats, you know? Um, oh, but this man. this was one, he must have had it because I have this memory, and I'm going to just, this is going to sound fake, it's going to sound like it's a memory from the Pure Moods commercial, but this is genuine. <laughs> We had a cherry tree in the backyard, <laughs> and at one point, at one point there was a bi- there was a big storm, and the cherry tree like split in half, and so my parents were like, "You got to go pick all those cherries off of the tree before it dies, because half of it was dying." And so I have this memory of in the summer, because I was out of school just sweating my ass off outside picking <laughs> cherries listening on my discman to either pure moods or metallica's load those were like the two <laughs> cds i had the, the two genders yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so when i think of like return innocence i think of picking cherries in the backyard which is something in the commercial for pure moods but 
anyway, that's Crazy. that's my uh, that's my history. So this time around, yeah, I listened to, to Logan's uh, rip of it, and uh, it returned me to that innocence, folks. It returned oh, yeah. me to my innocence. So the first track, as Josh uh, alluded to, is uh, 1994's Return to Innocence. And uh, where have you heard this song? Well, it opens the commercial. Uh, it appears in uh, episodes of My So-Called Life, uh, the Disney live-action movie Man of the House, starring Chevy Chase and Jonathan Taylor Thomas, and an episode of The Outer Limits, and was also uh, involved in the ad campaign, at least, for uh, the 1996 Olympics. Uh, the IOC was named in the lawsuit that uh, the... Uh, Duanas uh, filed that settled. Um, I think this is a great track. Uh, it's got uh, the John Bonham when the levee breaks drums, which I did not uh, did not realize uh, until I looked into it were, were that. But then once you hear it, of course, you know it's like oh, it's the when the levee breaks drums. But uh, I think the um, this the vocal sample works really well. Uh, going back and listening to the uh, the original version. Uh, the higher register part, I think that's a pitch shift, uh, and, and you can kind of hear that um, as you're listening. I, I don't know that that, that was actually uh, sung in that register, uh, which I thought was uh, was interesting. But um, th- this is a, a do you a have big the opener. original? Let's do you have the original clip? I I should note th- this is not this is not what was sampled. This is a a a, a performance of that. As it turns out. Uh, the only thing I was able to find was, was an album uh, by uh, titled Defong. Now this was uh, this is from YouTube, so I'm I'm not sure of the provenance of it, but it's uh, it, it's a less stylized, but still it, it was over techno beat. So I didn't. I never knew that Enigma originally gave no attribution. Tried to get away with not crediting the original singer here of the sample they used. I thought they brought someone in, into the studio or something, but mm. I guess that wasn't the case at all. No, they they uh, they sampled the the, uh, the nineteen ninety eight. Uh, fr- it's some kind of French uh, French cult- cultural exchange program. Uh, that the original recording was was made, and that's what they sampled. But yeah, it was uh, no attribution initially, and then uh, once uh, once the artist, you know, the uh, the Duanas found out that that's what that's when they they sued, and that was several years after the song came out. So for Return to Innocence, um, yeah, I I never knew until just recently uh, when I read that it was uh, when the levee breaks is one of the most used break beats of all time just because of the nature of it. Um, it doesn't have any other instruments in the background. It just starts and it's so powerful. I was so mad at myself for like not recognizing it <laughs> until I read. I they, didn't notice kinda, until you guys just said it. <laughs> that they, they pitched it up so it's faster and in a bit higher register the the way they sampled it. So it's a, it's a little disguised, but it's it's such a it's such a staple of, of sampled beats that I should have known it. Um, have has anyone heard the uh, Beyonce featuring Jack White 
song that uh, uses when the levee breaks, by the way? No. That sounds familiar, but I, I, I couldn't say for sure. It's on it's on Lemonade, and it's called I think it's called Don't Hurt Yourself. And it samples it in a way that you almost wouldn't recognize it because it's a little bit chopped and screwed, but I think it's really dope. Uh, I'd, I'd recommend checking it out. I'd also recommend checking out the um, song by um, a a rap a comedy rap duo I've mentioned before, Das Racist. Their song is of the same title, Return to Innocence, and they use the that whole thing as the sample for their goofy song. Um, <laughs> so this track one, I think, appropriately starts off the what I'll, I'll call the the formula of pure moods, which is to extract some sort of traditional music or chant or whatever it may be and put a beat underneath it, whether it be a sampled break beat or a cheesy early 90s drum machine. We're going to see that again and again. We'll, uh, we'll get there and I'll, I'll point it out. But um, yeah, I'm not, I'm overall, I'm, I'm just not wild about this uh, p- past its novelty value. It's not something that I'm going to, sit down and, and, and rock out to and be like, yeah, this really, this really knocks. But, um, yeah, Logan, what, what do you think? Well, uh, I, I like the song. It definitely is of a time where we'd hear stuff similar to this, like Baltimore's Tarzan boy in like the Teenage (laughs) Mutant Ninja Turtles three movie in trailer. Oh yeah. Um, the spoken word is also of its time, but kind of cringe. I don't know. I, yeah, it's just so cheesy to me to, to take seriously um when i put my mood ring on (laughs) when i hear the song i hear a positivity that makes me think of peace and community using a bar of soap under a waterfall Uh, brotherly and sisterly love cherry trees in the backyard in the midwest yes listening to disman and picking cherries while i sweat my ass off uh mid-90s commercialism capitalizing on the is it Amos people? A M A M I S is how I've seen it spelled. Yes, A M I S. Taiwanese. Yes, but there Taiwan. was there was a time in the '90s that I feel totally capitalized on on these cultural chants. Um, and if you're looking for something to annoy your partner with, uh, try and sing this back to them. Uh, that's always good uh, to drive it's a wedge. Hard, it's hard not to sing that hook. Yeah. Like just yeah. on your own yeah. around, just like start yeah. shouting it, you know? Yeah. It's a so, huge hook. It is. Um, so the way I've been judging these songs, though, that happen to have these little spurts of uh, appropriation in them is whether or not they're a pure mood or not. I'm going to say that this one's a mood, but whether it's uh-huh. pure or not I Ooh. is arguably not so. Mm. Agree, yeah. All right, so... uh, And Josh? Yeah, so I I have a few thoughts. I feel like a lot of my thoughts on these are just like random scattered notes. I don't have a very coherent thing to say. I guess I should say right off the bat, I do like this song um, in spite of its uh, issues. It, It just, there's something about it that I do enjoy. Although I've heard it enough, I feel like, in my life that I don't know how often I will go throw this one on, you know? Um, yeah. first off, and, and this I think was said in our text group, all of these artists would a hundred percent be confused as Inya on Napster, right? Like every single <laughs> one much, would be labeled yeah. Inya on Napster. Like I, I didn't Inya, know the difference between Enigma innocence. and Inya until recently. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
the uh the the big thing i noticed with this one is unlike some other songs in this album it has a standard song structure like there's a verse with lyrics and there's a chorus even though the chorus is sort of just a a hook a sort of vocal hook but you know it feels very traditional in terms of the song structure compared to some of the others that are not like that at all uh, I didn't notice that drum sample thing at all until you guys said it, that that's um, John Bonham. I didn't pick that up. Um, I, as far as the sound of this, and I think there's an Enigma song later that may tip its hand a little bit to this, but I get kind of a mixture of Annie Lennox and Sade kind of vibes on this one. Um, the vocals <laughs> remind me of a Sade song, but at times I get some Annie Lennox in there as well. Uh, but overall, I, I don't know. I like this one pretty well. All right. Uh, coming up next, we're going to, uh, we're going to go all over the world with, uh, the Orinoco flow. That was a little bit of Orinoco flow, uh, parenthesis, Sail Away from uh, 1988. Uh, I would say that Sail Away is probably the more common Napster title. Yes. <laughs> Where have you heard it? Uh, it's in the commercial right up front. Uh, you've also heard it on episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Black Mirror. Uh, it was in David Fincher's The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and, and the movie Eighth Grade. Uh, it was released in nineteen nine, excuse me, nineteen eighty eight. It's the debut single from uh, India's second studio album, Watermark, um, which I, I I did not get further into Inya, uh, but um, I, I would be interested to to hear more. Uh, Inya is evidently very very successful, uh, which which is something I didn't know. She uh, I read a Forbes article that says that she has sold seventy five million records from nineteen ninety one to 2011 uh and she's quote the wealthiest woman in british music uh she lives in a Holy castle crap. next to bono Fuck <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh god of course and uh she's uh operated uh, as a trio since 1982 with uh, a husband and wife uh, partner nikki and lyricist roma ryan the pizzicato chords from this uh were produced uh by a modified patch on the Roland D50 synthesizer called Pizza Gogo. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it was fake. <laughs> yeah, we, we, I've got a lot of uh there there's lots of uh uh synth talk uh coming up, but um this song uh I don't know how I feel about this song. I I picked that other clip uh specifically because I think it's the, my favorite part of the song. I read an interview where she talked about uh kind of their their whole uh, drive was to do Phil Spector wall of sound type stuff, except using just her voice as an instrument, which I, I think works in some places here in other places. Not so much. Um, I, I also really like the, uh, the, the vocals on the outro where it just kind of fades out. 
But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's me on Orinoco flow. Uh, Logan, what do you think? Boy, this is some delicate ass shit right here. <laughs> <laughs> delicate is a have, good word. <laughs> I don't have too much to say. I'm hoping. Uh, I was hoping that Matt had some more cannon fodder. I, I guess I was under the impression that Matt maybe was going to hate this song and was gonna was gonna rip on it. So uh, I I was gonna hold back for him, um, but he. He may. I thought you were gonna love the geography of all the, <laughs> I, I of all the places. Yeah, um, the river. The, but uh, so who is this song written for? Rich world travelers. <laughs> I, I is, think so. <laughs> is this what white wine spritzers sound like? Is this music for a bubble bath? <laughs> like, also, why does it yes. turn into Alphaville's Forever Young halfway <laughs> yes. through? It's crazy. Uh. I'm not a big fan of this one. It seemed to only cross my path in the commercial, though. So my my mood ring senses bright beaches and running around in white shrouds as the wind blows in slow motion, shrimp, white wine, and package resort getaways. Those are my <laughs> thoughts. Shrimp. Uh, is it a wine. pure mood? You know, it probably is a pure mood. I'll give it that. I can tell you who this is written for, Logan. This was, I have a feeling that there's some ad exec for a cruise company who was sitting around and he heard this song and he was like, stop the Bob Marley song we've been using in ads. Like, we got a new one because this this seems perfectly built for a cruise, as you said, resort company, like just all the different names of places. I guess only second to Kokomo by the Beach Boys as far as like <laughs> right. songs that speak to people who want to travel around. Um, I have no idea. I, I, I looked, Orinoco, I guess, is like a river, right? Yeah. Orinoco's in, right. in South America. Right. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, again, though, I have to say I do enjoy this one. Like, it, it is somehow one of the least problematic songs on the album. <laughs> like, there's yeah. not really any appropriation. <laughs> it's, but at the it's same pure. time, there's the part of me that that does uh, enjoy traditional song structure that enjoys this one. So, it, like, it kind of it, it's in the middle of the Venn diagram of traditional song structure and not appropriating something because there's not a lot on this album that fits in that middle. You've got your songs that are kind of on this side that don't appropriate, but they're kind of just synth jams. And then you've got your songs over here that do appropriate. So like this one's in the in the middle of the VIN. And uh, I appreciate that. I, I like that. Yeah, it uh, it doesn't appropriate. It is pure in the sense of, that it's uh, uh, purely white as the driven snow and maybe the whitest culturally type music possible. Um, there is, there's... Comparatively to the rest of the album, there there is some some pop hookiness to grab onto here for me. So I listed it as I kind of I marked some songs I called debatably good, some call a few songs I called actual good songs. I called this one a debatably good song, um, and I I was wondering about that instrumentation. I was like, is there real orchestration here or is it keyboard patches? I guess for 1988, if it fooled me enough to think that maybe it was a real small uh, uh, string section. I guess, I guess it's a pretty good patch <laughs> if it, if it fooled my ears or, or made me question. I, I don't pr- prefer the, the bridge part as much as like the, the verses and the, <laughs> that oh so memorable chorus, the, the whole turn it up, turn it up 
Baba Do. I'm I'm honestly not sure what she says most of the song. It's it's a very weird thing. <laughs> um my biggest sense memory is um I had a teacher who speaking of chill beats to study to, I had a teacher <laughs> who would play this when I was in elementary school um uh, while we were just doing studying or doing some kind of crap, I don't know, busy work. Um, and she played this and probably some other Inya songs. And I distinctly remember her playing Call Me Al. So she wasn't playing. It it it, it couldn't have been a pure mood CD, but it was some kind of weird ass mix. Nice. Um, She's like, this is anyone... this is my pure mood. Your gym teacher, whoever he's like, this <laughs> yeah. is, I made my own mix. It's my pure mood, like the guy in Boogie Nights or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't like them to tell me what order to yeah. listen to the songs in, man. <laughs> Um, did anyone, uh, watch that scene from the movie eighth grade? You did. I, I did not watch it. Yeah. It, this is kind of like my version of, uh, on the last episode, uh, Logan had that, that thing, uh, from grandma's boy with, with the, the guy and, um, the, the guy in the yeah. giant yeah. gamer station <laughs> with window to- liquor playing. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, this is kind of like my version of that, where I thought it was very effective, um, it's a, a, a 12 or 13 year old girl. Um, a great movie. God, go see yeah, it. Yeah, it's good. I know don't, it's don't to be go good. see it. Just stream it. It's so good. It's amazing. There's no movie like it. Um, she's basically the, the almost the entirety of the song plays as she's doom scrolling and, and just looking at random social media videos, um, YouTube, all that. I, I was kind of disappointed to find, I, I never saw that black mirror, that mini movie or whatever they did. But I, I think maybe they used this song in, in almost the same way, which is kind of disappointing that they did it first. Uh, Cause I thought it was so good in eighth, eighth grade, but I, I, I thought it was really well used there. Um, so great use of the song. Am I going to listen to it just on its own? Uh, maybe once a decade. I don't know. Well, coming up next, uh, we're getting problematic again. Uh, the song is called, uh, sweet lullaby. It's, uh, by an artist named deep forest. And, um, there's a couple of French producers. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to read you, uh, their, uh, biography, which was on their website, just to kind of give, give you guys a sense of where the European music industry's head was W slash R slash T, uh, quote unquote world music. Eric Mouquet and Michelle Sanchez of Deep Forest are sound reporters. A voiceless musical duo, they draw on voices from every corner of the world. Under their patronage, infinitely distant utterances have become familiar to us. Hymns of joy and cries of anger, prayers and obeids. Songs of hope and despair have all been brought to shake our certainties, seize our senses, and stir our emotions. From Africa or Eastern Europe, from pygmies to nomads, the human visions brought to us by Deep Forest have helped greatly in narrowing the musical gap between the hemispheres. So, a little bit of background on this. Um, The main uh, vocal line was recorded by an ethnomusicologist named Hugo Zempf in 1970. Uh, It was uh, a recording of a woman named Afunkawa, and it appeared on uh, a UNESCO Musical Sources uh, LP in 1973. Um, it was a uh, traditional uh, 
melody in from the Solomon Islands called Rurwelga. And uh, we, we heard the Deep Forest version uh, in the intro, so let's, uh, let's listen real quick to, to a bit of the original uh, Raroguela. So that was the the original recording, and when uh, Deep Forest found it, uh, they had worked with um, the uh, record company that put out the UNESCO uh, Musical Sources records uh, on some other projects, but they uh, they sought to have this sample cleared and the head of the UNESCO uh, record company agreed, but only if the ethnomusicologists and artists were properly credited. Hugo Zemp heard this song and did not give his approval, but they just put it out anyway. And uh, the next time Zemp knew he was hearing this song in a shampoo commercial. So, oh my God. So that's, that's the, that's the story of, of this, uh, this song. Uh, nobody knows uh, if, if, Anyone was able to contact um, Afunkawa to uh, see if she was, you know, would, would pursue a, a suit or anything. But uh, in terms of of the song, uh, it, it's it's very similar to uh, "Return to Innocence" in that it's, uh, you know, kind of a trip hop beat over um, this this sampled vocal. Um, I, I I think that it works somewhat for different reasons. It's definitely not as anthemic as the the enigma track um but i do think that it's a great sample and um you know it, it's pretty pretty boilerplate uh like this could have been an ace of bass song uh to to me but i i think with the inclusion of the sample um as problematic as it was i i do think that that it was a good uh you know a good product and, and an interesting thing to uh to listen to uh, where have you heard this song? Uh, the film Ready to Wear uh, and ads for uh, Shampoo, uh, the Discovery Channel, and for the Body Shop. Uh, it's also been used in uh, broadcast for broadcasting companies in Australia and Germany, and for Champions League football. But uh, Josh, uh, do, what, what are your thoughts on on this one? So, I, I had this debate while listening to this, and I'm assuming most of us did, which is how to kind of grapple with some of the appropriation stuff, especially when it's like, like I don't necessarily have a problem with the way they used it in terms of like taking this this traditional song and putting a, a beat behind it or whatever. The problem is that they didn't like credit and then pay, you know, <laughs> like they didn't actually try to ask for consent for any of this. Like that's kind of, I feel like more of the stuff that I would take issue with. But uh, one of the debates I had was like, you know, if they hadn't done that, what are the odds that I would ever even hear this song? You know what I mean? Like, what are the odds I would ever actually seek this out? And maybe that's saying mm. more about my own musical taste and willingness to look for different types of music. But like, I just, I doubt I would have ever like looked up this UNESCO recording, you know, of a, uh, a traditional song from, you know, from the South Pacific without having heard this. And, and this is one that actually kind of grabbed me because uh, I, for some reason, had totally missed this one. 
like back in the 90s like this one was the the unknown one to me so when we were listening to it this go around this one really jumped out to me and i was like oh this is i kind of like this this is pretty good <laughs> like of course knowing the history now i'm a little more like hesitant to necessarily say that but i don't know i just have this debate of like is it a i i think it's a bad thing they used it but then at the same time i would have never probably heard it but they probably, sh- you know, they should have asked for permission. They should have, you know, gotten c- consent as well as like, you know, made sure the person was paid and all that stuff. So I don't know. It, it sort of provoked that debate in my head. Um, and-, and maybe you guys had a similar debate when you were thinking about some of these songs. I do want to mention it's probably unintentional, but the font for the Deep Forest CD is the same as the X Files font. Um, <laughs> if you look that up, it- it's the like same. Like a courier. It's whatever the font is the X-Files used for the actual, like, name the X-Files on the title card. It's the same as the Deep Forest CD. Um, That's the first thing I thought of. But, uh, Mm. yeah, those are my – I like this one, though. I'll say that. I Okay, so that was the first time I'd ever heard that that original sound recording. I I thought there was almost a – like an ASMR quality to um, that woman's voice. I found that kind of – pleasing to listen to actually um which is a vibe that i didn't really get from the what i'm going to call the bastardized (laughs) version of (laughs) of that um so yeah i don't i don't with with much of this stuff on this compilation i don't i don't feel the need that the the impulse to sort of bastardize it was was the correct thing to do these two these two frenchmen it was two Frenchmen, right? Deep Forest. Yes. Daft Punk. I'm I'm gonna call them the evil Daft Punk. And I, I was kind of taking taking note of nationalities as I went here. Like we got Germany, Ireland, and now French, and like what is going on with with, with Europe and their and their weird appropriative tendencies. And Matt I think Matt kind of said it all when he read that that quote from the Deep Forest <laughs> website, which is upsetting. Um it, there, I will say there are different versions and remixes of this one available. I think so. If you go, go searching for it, you you never know what you're going to get. Um, I'm I definitely came across different ones as I was li- listening. It, it once again, it's the pure moods formula. It's traditional music, indigenous music, with that early '90s beat underneath. That the ace of bass comparison is very apt. It is that that same drum pattern. One good thing I'll say is that I I thought I think it's later on in the song they they bring in group vocals to kind of like back up that initial vocal to do the melody and I thought it sounded good when the, when it was like a whole group of voices doing it but I think it also sounds good as as just the one um that is a very nice sound originally so um I don't have much to say on it that you guys haven't already said so. Uh, I won't really say much, but my mood ring senses being on an island and being Leonardo DiCaprio DiCaprio in a in a the beach kind of situation. Uh, but you know, it, it's a mood, but not pure, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah you, uh, you can tell it's not pure because of how fake the uh, the pan flute patches sounded. I that's one thing right. I forgot to mention. It's, they, they were. Per- particularly uh noticeable i thought yeah they they did kind of strike my ear unpleasantly <laughs> well that that was that was kind of heavy I, I think we we probably need a breather we, we probably need to get some oxygen part four 
Oxygen uh, Part 4 was recorded by uh, Jean-Michel Jarry. I I, I can't speak French, so my apologies, uh, Jean-Michel and and French people everywhere. Uh, This one uh, was an older uh, recording. Um, It was released in France uh, in 1976 and internationally 1977. Um, From what I could find out, uh, I was composed in eight months in his apartment kitchen, which was something I I kind of related to. Um, uh, It it was a variation on Popcorn by Gershon Kingsley, uh, who who was a Moog Moog pioneer. Okay. Um, I thought I heard the roots of that in there, and I didn't know if it was coincidence. An original run of uh, 50,000 copies were produced... And then, but uh, the album went on to sell 15 million copies, uh, and obviously very synthy. Um, I've got a list of the synths used here. There was an ARP 2600, an EMS synthy, an EMS VCS3, an RMI harmonic synthesizer, a Farfisa organ, an Eminent 310U, a Mellotron, and a Mini Pops 7. And we're going to see that Farfisa organ uh, showing up several more times uh, in the record. Um, I, I'm i kind of bored with this song, to be honest. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember uh, late at night, uh, PBS would show uh, kind of infomercials for a product called Anna Music, in <laughs> which um, early uh, 3D graphics renderings of, you know, weird kind of uh, instrument um video instruments were, were rendered like, you know, they, they would have a robot arm playing a bass and then another robot arm playing drums. And, uh, it it just, and and then they would have this kind of music over it. Um, (laughs) you know, like I, I, I know, I know it's a technical achievement, but, um, uh, to, to borrow, uh, Logan's bit, uh, my, my mood ring is, is a, is a beige, uh, to, to this, but uh, (laughs) what what does everybody else think? Um, I, yeah, I wrote, it's interesting, but it's not great. Although it is a cool artifact of early electronica. I like the whole swing beat. That's, I think that's something you don't hear on the rest of this compilation. It's it's mostly a four on the floor type thing if it's gonna have electronic elements. But this one is is like swung. Um, once again, the the French, um, they're all over this record. Them and them and the Germans <laughs> and Italians. Uh, he. He does film scores, I believe, um, and I, I swear his name looks familiar, but I can't recall. If, if, if he's done movies I've seen, I, I'm not sure what they are. It, it's just, I, I like the synth sounds. It reminds me of early synth stuff, like like Kraftwerk or something. But um, And I do appreciate that there's no um, uh, <laughs> upsetting use of, unauthorized use of traditional recordings. No cultural appropriation, but um, it's a debatably good song to me. Not, not one that I'm going to remember forever. Well, congratulations, Matt and Blake. You <laughs> both are now dead to me, and I will no longer be ever talking to either of you again Ooh, because I, you both uh, are myself. fucking crazy. Uh, <laughs> because Oxygen Part 4, now we're talking. My, my mood ring senses exploring different and alien worlds, full-on dreams of whatever you want, underground caves, whatever, water worlds, alien plant life, what's going on inside the human body, going to the grocery store, 
I'm not going to lie. I'm a big Jar head. Jean-Michel Jarre, thanks to my mom, who's a fan and got me interested in the Oxygen album when I was a kid. I loved it. It was a cool, it was a cool type of music that didn't have words. And it was the perfect music to play with my toys to or read and sleep to. I have a lot of Jean-Michel Jarre records and he's the real deal. And he's one of the OGs on this compilation dating back to 76, only being bested by Mike Oldfield in what, like 1973? Yeah, Um, But uh, I highly recommend uh, Jean-Michel Jarre and his albums because they're technical masterpieces. And using all synth music in in the 70s, this was a, I mean, these were big accomplishments um, and they should definitely be heard. Uh, So I, I find this to definitely be a pure mood. And, uh, you know, I just can't get over the fact that he recorded this shit in his home and it ended up selling 12 to 15 million albums. Yeah, I didn't realize you had a history. With I- I'm oh, glad I've I'm- got a big history. I've got a, quite the collection of Jar records. I'm glad I'm going okay. after it, Logan, because now I can say, yeah, I love this as well. <laughs> yeah, I loved it all along. I want everyone to <laughs> like me. Um, I actually, I, I don't know. I really don't have many notes on this one. I put that I liked it. Um, every time I listen to this, I, I listen to this one all the way through. It was never like, oh, I got to skip this one. Um, it's not usually my thing. I definitely heard the craft work as Blake already pointed out. Uh, and I do own a couple craft work albums and I'll put them on occasionally, but I, in all honesty, they're not like things I go to frequently, you know, it's just not as much up my alley as some of the other stuff. Although I don't know on this album, there's really not much that I feel like I is in my wheelhouse. Um, it is interesting how the mood completely changes, I feel like, at this point. Like, if you were listening to this album so far, yeah. it's like you've got these two, you know, as we've been talking about, appropriation jams. And then you got, like, one that's kind of in a similar vibe with Inya. And then this one kind of comes out of left field, I feel like. Like, it just doesn't seem to be in the same mood as the others. And that's not a bad thing. It just, it, it definitely changes, I think, the trajectory of this album for a little bit. As Logan said, maybe it changes it for the better. Um, you know, uh, I definitely I know. We'll think it's it's one of the best like musical. I mean, there's a lot musically going on, and mm-hmm. I'd agree with. That. I'm really disappointed that, especially with all the synthesizers, that I don't. This wasn't a bigger hit. I was expecting. I I was expecting you guys to like this, and this might have it, to it, uh, it, derail <laughs> derail future no, episodes and ideas won't. because no, I don't no, no, think no, no, it's no. gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't get across. This is one of the better songs on the compilation. I I don't have the history with it that you did. You have a familiarity that kind of sparked some sort of joy in you. That <laughs> so this is new to me. It's uh it's it's really mysterious, and we got to call in Mulder and Scully to investigate. <laughs> What's going that, on? I don't know. True. I was trying to think of a segue. We we do um because uh, we're we're going on we're we're taking a trip into the unknown with the X Files theme. Remix. Oh yeah. It's couples skate. That was uh, a, a remix of the uh, the 
main title to the X-Files uh, that was written by Mark Snow. Uh, it was remixed by DJ Dado, or Dado, uh, who is an Italian producer, uh, who has also remixed uh, Jean-Michel Jarre and Boy George. I don't really have a lot of notes on this. I uh, wasn't able to find too much about it, uh, so I will just say that this song slaps. Um, I, I love the X-Files. <laughs> I love the original theme, obviously, but um, you know, kind of taking everything to 11 uh, with, with all of the, the tropes of, of electronic dance music. Um, you know, it had that ascending piano line. Um, I, I really like how the different melodic elements kind of work, uh, work together. They do a, a flatted sixth uh, minor flatted seventh to one progression that, that kind of really climbs up and, and, and adds some, some harmonies and, and different uh, elements that, that weren't necessarily uh, evident or you wouldn't pick up on them just listening to the, the theme from the show. So I, I was um, of course remembered it just the, the few snippets uh, that I remember from the commercial. I, I was really happy to hear the whole uh, song. Cause I, I think it, it's worth more than just the clip that you get from the commercial. Yeah. Uh, this track is dope. X files are dope. Pyramids are dope. Dancing is dope. <laughs> And I'm a dope for dancing. Do you really want to know? Do you really want to know? (laughs) Do you really? I would have loved some audio of Mulder and Scully mixed in, but my mood ring senses getting abducted by aliens and them showing you the wonders of the cosmos aboard their spaceship slash rave. Pure mood right here. Absolute banger. I, I'm I'm picturing little Logan. You know, your mom puts on the Jean Michael Jarre, and you're like playing with your. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and like all of a sudden, this one comes on. You just get up. You're like, "Mom, this is a banger!" You start like dan- dancing to it. You know, you're like, "Woo!" Although, by the way, this came out in '97. You were probably not, you know, that uh, as much of a little kid then. But still, um, it's like Mean Girls instead of the Little Sister, like dancing yeah. to like some suggestive pop song. It's me pelvic thrusting to Jean Michel Jarre and uh-huh. X Files themes. This is what I want, Mom. It, it is like the, the note I had was, man, what a cultural presence X Files had. Like when it came out, that there's this like dance hit of its theme song. Like I'm trying to imagine if that'd be a thing today. Because also there was, do you remember the Mortal Kombat theme? That like oh, had yeah. a big dance yes, remix that became a hit mix. as well. <laughs> and, Talk about Skateland. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I feel like th- there was this like thing in the mid nineties of you know we're gonna take this this theme and and remix it into a dance song that becomes really popular. Uh, I don't I don't know if I can accurately critique this one because it's I, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of like the added dancing stuff. Like it's pretty stereotypical like nineties. And maybe it's stereotypical because that's like what it is. You know, it's this this is the the archetype, I guess, of, of that kind of like untis untis kind of beat. But um the actual X Files theme I have a hard time kind of <laughs> saying much about just because it's so embedded in my my consciousness that it's it's not I'm not able to accurately critique it. I wonder if Mark Snokes, wasn't he the guy that did the soundtrack? I wonder if he got like yeah. uh, credited in any money from this, or he if he have. also got shilled, just like everybody else did. Um, it does go on a little long, though. I, I will add that. I feel like it it went on a little longer than necessary, but you know, I don't know. I don't have much else to to add there. Uh, Blake, what do you think about the? Uh, well, do, do you really want to know, Blake? 
I don't know if I want to know. Everyone's going to hate me, but here we go. Um, <laughs> X-Files your, sucks. No, don't let your X-Files love cloud your judgment here. Obviously, the Mark Snow original is a banger. It's great. This is not that. <laughs> this is some cheesy trash from this DJ Dotto. It contains no elements of the original. It's just fake fakey fake sounding patches interpolating the original like for 1996 i feel that the drum machines and the keyboard patches are so cheesy and pat um and it's very to me it's very cookie cutter dance music i don't care for that 90s trend of taking something popular and cashing in for a roller rink uh dance mix <laughs> i mean that it was already a good a good um a good track a good uh score for the show and a good show this is i to me it's just a cheesy cash in i'm 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 not not big on this um sorry dj dotto um but uh yeah pure pure shit oh, <laughs> oh, <God. that's> just... <laughs> okay well uh <laughs> We're gonna have to exercise the demons out of you, boy. Lo- Shit. I was gonna say Logan's gonna. <laughs> What's walk wrong off, with walk you? Off this podcast. Not, hey, it's I'm it's time to exercise the demons. Oh Lord, save these I boys! Think he, I think he's disrespecting Mark Snow. I'm sorry. <laughs> I I will I will say uh, like uh, Mark Snow's score work on on the show, even beyond the uh, just the theme. I I think is really top notch uh, score work. I love the really kind of pitch shifty sense that he, that he yeah. does. And you know, he, uh, he's got that patch where it's just sounds like, and, but it's, it's, it just really, uh, added to the tension of the show. I think. If DJ Dotto had scored the show, I mean, what would it be like? You wouldn't like it. Yeah. I rest my case. Mulder. Why are you doing all this ecstasy? <laughs> what are the, why are you bringing out glow sticks? What's okay, going that, on? Okay. That's, <laughs> Well, <laughs> all right, Exor- exorcism, let's do it. Tubular Bells, part one, I should clarify. Here we go. I think there's been a mistake. You d- you just played that clip from the Mars Volta album that Logan wanted to talk about instead of Tubular Bells. It was crazy guitar work there from Omar. All right. Well, uh, that that joke, all... joke did not land <laughs> with anyone. Well, I got it. All I right, all right. Tell Tubular Bells. Go ahead. Yeah, th- that that guitar work that you were admiring, Josh, is actually uh, all of the instruments uh, were were Mike Oldfield, who was 19. Uh, at the time, um, this was the first release from uh, Virgin Records. Uh, Mike Oldfield moved into a, uh, they called it the Manor. It was a, a recording and residential complex that Richard Branson um, was working in and, and recorded uh, everything there. Uh, I do have some notes on the, on the recording from a Billboard uh, article at the time. There were 274 overdubs 
and an estimated two thousand <laughs> punch ins uh, on all of the uh, all the My recording, God. which is you know another we were talking about technical feats. Uh, of of mid seventies, a tape nightmare. Yes, exactly. And all of the guitars were uh, were recorded on on a nineteen sixty six Telecaster with a lot of effects, including something called a Glorfindel box, which uh, re- sounded very much to me like uh, was it Magic Albert? Who who was John Lennon's friend who had all of the crazy uh, electronics? Magic Alex. Magic Alex. It's, it's another Magic, Magic Alex mm. situation. Uh, Mike Oldfield had this box that just had all <laughs> kinds of weird faders that sounded like it, it didn't work more often than it did, but but it was all over this record. Um, where have you heard this? Uh, well, it's in the commercial. Uh, the clip I pulled was from a different section that I thought was kind of interesting. This is, of, an, of course, an excerpt from a, a longer 25-minute piece. Uh, it was most famously uh, in The Exorcist. And um, I think this song rips. Uh, there's more Farfisa organ. No synthesizers were used on this. It was all uh, instrumentation and, uh, and and different organs were, were used for all the sound on this. So that hmm. that you know what what a difference 1973 to 1976 with with the Jean Michel Jarre. I know that that since we're around at the time, but uh, it's kind of a a similar virtuosic musical performance just uh, w- without that that synthesizer element um i like this it's v- it's good but it doesn't produce a re- an emotional response in me and i'm not sure why uh i i feel like this is kind of foreshadowing a lot of you know kind of guitar shredder uh, and, and I think Mike Oldfield is, is a lot more talented musically than you know a Steve Vai or or, or somebody like that uh, for, from a compositional standpoint. But um, I, I like to listen to this, but I don't know that I can get beyond just listening as you know kind of an, an intellectual exercise. It it, it doesn't my, my mood ring once again is, is is tending towards the beige. Hmm. See, I was gonna say this. This is one of those that. Uh, maybe this is a future uh, pregame list, but like this is one of those albums I think you can find fairly often on vinyl for not a ton, and it's a good one to have. I, I picked it up, I think, huh. pretty cheaply, and it's just a fun little thing you can throw on because <laughs> um, I, I enjoy this. I, I think uh, it's cool the way it kind of builds with you have that titular bells motif and then all the other stuff kind of comes in. And then the thing that I think really, you know, obviously it connects it to the Exorcist, a horror movie, but that occasional synth stab, you know, yeah. is is like kind of jarring. What is it though? Because you've got this very calm like do 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 do, and then you get that bump, you know, that occasionally comes in that just sort of, it's almost like a jump scare, you know. Um, I I do wonder, like again, talking about how the mood has shifted, like Jean Michael Jarre is 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 you know not. It's it's shifting the mood, but he's still somewhat on the same track as the first few. And then the X-Files one goes a little further. This one, like, I don't, this does not evoke a calm mood in me. I think of The Exorcist and there's like synth stabs. Like <laughs> this one is is not a like, ooh, I'm going to relax in the, the hot tub and light some candles and put on tubular bells. <laughs> like just kind of, I don't know. There's something about it that's disconcerting <laughs> and uncomfortable. Uh but the, that's the, that's my those are moods. On it. <laughs> those are moods. Mood. That, but I do. But I, anyway, overall, summing it up, I enjoy this one. This this is this is a good one for me. That's the whole thing. It's pure moods, plural, and horrified is a mood, and and 
bored as a mood and and relaxed and all that. So I, I guess they didn't intend on going for one mood, um, which I, I think is why the whole uh, mood ring motif that Logan introduced is, is very apt because uh, it's kind of wildly goes all over the place across this this comp. Um, anyway, I, I put tubular belt. This is a, a five minute excerpt of the enormous piece that is that takes up uh, two sides, two parts, two sides of that the the LP um i put it as as w- one of the actual good compositions of the record here um i i can recognize it as a real achievement and i appreciate its musicality it's not something i'm going to set down and and, and play for enjoyment a whole lot but i mean when it it's it starts really impressive just with the like I think it's in like seven eight and the the time signature is shifting all around it's tricky it's hard to pin down um, and by the end of this segment it gets to that cool guitar harmony thing and it's kind of locked into a four four which I thought was really interesting so it's a uh, uh, elusive sort of time signature then I I'll say after the after the pure moods uh truncated version cuts off the song gets way more buck wild and just continues that way for 20 more minutes and goes all sorts of places it's a weird choice for this compilation especially considering how old it is i don't know how it ended up in the exorcist and how the opening notes of this are associated with horror when the rest of the piece doesn't sound like that at all just just a weird thing all around but I, i i do find it to be one of the the better pieces musically on the whole compilation. Um, it's definitely iconic. Um, you know, we've, we've discussed exorcist on is undoubtedly behind its success, a truly great track and a piece of music in film history. Uh, my mood ring is almost unable to sense anything other than ex exorcist references. Uh, <laughs> but I also get, I also kind of get like fall vibes well, I was going to say, maybe my mood ring only uh, picks up uh, pea green <laughs> colors, uh, but no, uh, but I get fall vibes, cloudy fall day on a mission to solve an issue or investigate something on the macabre side. Unless this is some unauthorized shit, I'm, I'm saying this is a pure mood. Ooh, yeah. I, I would agree uh, with that. Uh, I, I should also note that uh, Mike Oldfield won the 1974 Grammy for Best Instrumental Composition uh, for this record. And uh, also, uh, I, I did not have a chance to seek this out, but apparently this was released uh, as an interactive software version of the album for Commodore 64 in 1986. What? So, so, yeah, there's... there's wow. There's tons and tons of uh, of uh, interesting uh, tubular bells uh, content out there, and and Josh, you mentioned picking this up on vinyl. I would pick this up on vinyl if uh, if I found a. I'm telling I you, you, you can you can find it for not a lot. It sold a lot of copies too, so it's out there. I mean, I'm sure it's down just, at Stick It Near Your. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you can it. get it for five bucks. I mean, yeah. yeah. I was never looking for it, but I might now. Well. Uh, if I didn't find it, uh, that might uh, make me uh, s- make me a little sad. Uh, next up is Sodinus Part One. Meanwhile, what do you think about the man, the virtue of 
that song. <laughs> so, so where? It's sexual song. <laughs> so sorry, where have you heard I'm it? I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, where have you heard it? it it's in the commercial. <laughs> Uh, in the bedroom, blaring out of your parents' <laughs> bedroom, your parents' bedroom, <laughs> blaring out. bathroom that's strangely lit with candles and reeks of wine. He was also oh, on an episode shit. of Chappelle's show, uh, uh, as, as well as nice. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And okay, uh, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. I had that really? down in my notes, but okay, go ahead. What did the okay? You confirmed for me. <laughs> Uh, it was also in Tropic Thunder, and then my final note on where have you heard it is a porn, probably. But uh, this was the, <laughs> the the debut single. They couldn't afford it, <laughs> right? This was the debut single from Enigma, um, the the band that launched uh, a thousand uh, porn music arranger careers. Um, the, their debut album titled "1990," but stylized M C M X C A D. The That's ref- the one I think my brother may have had, by the way. Okay. Um, it was released in Germany uh, as Sadness, uh, referring to uh, the Marquis de Sade, but uh, from what I've seen, re- released in Japan and the UK as Sadness. It was the fastest uh, mm-hmm. single to reach number one in Germany. It was number one all across Europe, uh, Europe and Japan. Uh, the samples are uh, Gregorian vocals, from uh, mostly from a 1976 album called Pascal Mysterium. Uh, it was used without permission. There was a lawsuit that was settled uh, <laughs> as well. So Enigma just, just taken, you know, you, you would think that they would have wow. learned their lesson on this one, but, um, and then yeah. the, the female lyrics were by uh, Michelle Cretu's then wife, Sandra, who was already a pop star in her own right. Um, I mean, obviously we're, we're cracking jokes, uh, it's a it's a very horny song. I don't know what that guy <laughs> in the clip was talking about, but probably you know I would rather not know. That said, <laughs> I, I do think this works as as a song. I mean, it definitely uh, conveys the the mood that it uh, is intending to convey. Um, so you know, I I don't th- this this isn't one that I would skip. I don't know that I need to go out and. Uh, uh, and and beat a path to the record store to pick up MCMXCAD, but uh, but if this comes on the radio, I'm probably going to tap my <laughs> tap my foot a little bit to it. Yeah, um, I think one place you might have heard it that you missed is uh, the film Solo or 120 Days of Sodom. <laughs> uh, the the uh, p- parable. It's a on family the movie. Sod. Disney. Right. It's a and Disney it, joint with Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Um, yeah, and Chevy Chase. Um and the Jungle so the Jungle. I think I think one of the first rules of compilations has to be you don't double dip. And that's exactly what they've done on Pure Moods. I'm not sure what the reasoning is behind doing two Enigma songs on the same compilation, but uh they're both egregious in their own way and it's a bit weird the the double dipping. I don't know what what you all felt about that, but I thought it was weird. Uh I also thought it was weird that they called it uh, uh, part one when there there was not a part two until 2016, if I'm not mistaken. That's what I read. <laughs> so I don't know if they were planning uh, 26 years in the future or what. Um, it's a strange, unholy marriage of, of 
French and German influences. Um, I think the spoken stuff is in French, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so, like. yes. When the beat drops, um, of course, there's, you know, you might uh, tap your toe against your will, but I, I, I felt that the drum machine was quite cheesy and dated sounding. Um, it was interesting right, uh, right off the back of uh, like the, the break beats and the samples from a tribe called quest of the same era that we just listened to. I think the, those sample drums uh, from 1990 are, are way less dated sounding now and have aged better than this sort of whatever drum machine they were using in, in this kind of thing that uh, I don't know. To me, it didn't age well. It's again, it's the pure moods formula or the enigma formula, traditional chant with with a beat a cheesy beat a thing i i do like is that the there's a key change for the chorus uh so it kind of ups the drama value does anyone know what the that instrument is that's going in the chorus and stuff it's like do 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 what's that instrument well it's i was thinking it was just some keyboard patch that sounded like be. trying to sound all fluty or like recorder yeah. or some kind of like tribal it, flute. It sounded to me like <laughs> like the effect when you have a cheap keyboard and it has the choir and it has like the voices that go like when it does one of those and soloing, you know. When it does the solos like you could really hear it like Yeah. It has more of a, a, fit, a pan flutey patch vibe to me, yeah. um, and then of course there's that part with the what what I call the MIDI guitar, the very obviously fake guitar keyboard patch that kind of builds into this weird the female breathe. Everything drops out except for a heavy breathing, and that's when all bets are off as far as the horniness. That and I'm just like, yeah, I don't know, man, I don't know. Uh, am I old enough to listen to this? But. <laughs> Yeah, what do you think, Logan? Uh, it's it's one that's instantly recognizable to me um, from the ethereal spoken words and the Gregorian chanting that you heard in the commercial. And I would always like picture that like up close shot of you know the face saying like "sa dimwa" or whatever it, they're saying. And I don't know, I. I can't help it, but my my mood ring senses candles, seductive foreign mo magazine models, and personal bath time for mid-90s moms looking for an escape or a good soundtrack to their rom romance novels. <laughs> uh, it's, it, you know, of course, well-deserved. I'm, I'm not making fun. Uh, it's mysterious, and it's borderline too horny for non-ironic enjoyment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that keyboard solo made to sound like some flute of deal is uh, pretty hilarious. Uh, <laughs> so are this. I, I mentioned the synth electric guitar sounds or the MIDI guitar sounds too. Uh, it, they sound like the guitars in Doom. <laughs> like, yes, that's uh, the right. first Doom. Uh, and the heavy breathing, too horny. Uh, despite its <laughs> marquee to sod leanings, it seems like a definite pure mood though. So you guys are saying Marquis de Sade. I see. I thought Sade again. Like that was the first thing I thought. I <laughs> yeah, I was thinking you know? Sade the whole time. Like they're they're trying to do Sade, but somehow <laughs> coming off like I don't know. Like Sade can succeed at making a a uh, I don't know what's the word erotic kind of song. Uh, whereas this just is is too much. Uh, 
I did have a question. Do you guys remember if you grew up in Springfield and, and Logan, you, you came up to Springfield, so I'm sure you and, and Blake as well, you guys lived kind of outside yeah. of the city, but I'm sure you came to the city. Do you guys remember natural wonders in the mall? Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. I was going to, I was going to bring this okay. store up for this episode. Matt, yes. did you ever go to natural wonders? I absolutely went to that was my favorite store in the mall. Okay. For those that don't know, <laughs> oh Natural God. Wonders, I don't know if it was a uh, like a chain store. I it, I, I looked it online and I couldn't find malls. much, but it was a store in the mall that sold stuff that would be associated with pure moods. <laughs> so, like <laughs> oh pure mood uh, paraphernalia. The thing that I the thing that I was always attracted to is they had a big bin of just rocks and you could get like a bag and you could go up and just fill this bag with rocks and pay like by the pound or something. So I remember my, my mom would always just be like, go pick out some rocks. And I was like pumped about it, but I feel like, (laughs) well, they're not just like old ass rocks. They're not just like, they were like like, nice polished, you know, quartz and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They've got some, they're pretty rocks. They got a thing going on. They have some qualities. This song is what Natural Wonders sounded like. I feel like at all times you went in there. They they had to have played this in the store. Oh, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, that that's that's really all I, I got. I mean, I, I it's okay, but I somehow I prefer the other Enigma song that's more problematic than this one. This one is just it, all I can think of, as was mentioned, is Dennis from "It's Always Sunny" having sex because that's when it plays. Is during <laughs> one of his like yeah. sex tapes that he uh, makes. Okay, let's. Can I say "Natural Wonder" is a was a a place whose whole thing was strip mining <laughs> other cultures around the world for well, it was during, the consumption of white folks I, I, I mean pure moods is indicative of there was a whole rise in that this era of like I'm, that's, new age yeah. paranormal it's and it, the store it, version of this comp yeah slash world music for some reason yeah world music got sucked into the uh the the like esoteric paranormal type stuff that they were they were marketing <laughs> exactly there's a reason exactly. that the x-files theme is on this record <laughs> yes yes the bad pan flute uh definitely uh made its return uh but but that other the dun 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 i've i always thought that was the grandfather to that lincoln park synth patch that's what i always heard but um lincoln park synth. what are you talking <laughs> which, about which which song on crawling, dun 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 dun. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah I can uh, kind of see what you're talking about. I'd have to hear them side by side, but I, I can. I, can I thought c- it was like a distorted piano, but I could be wrong. I'm just gonna say it by the way, crawling, crawling, better song than shot anus or sod, oh, shot anus. Shots fired. <laughs> Yikes. Uh moving on, we've got uh Audemus by Audemus as credited on the commercial, but also by uh Carl Jenkins, who's a Welsh, <laughs> Welsh composer. So uh let's let's drop that needle.
you heard it, it premiered on a Delta Airlines commercial. Uh, and, and it was also uh, on the uh, Pure Moods commercial, uh, as I mentioned, uh, miscredited to the group Ademus. Uh, but it was uh, Carl Jenkins um, and working with uh, South African singer Miriam Stockley uh, wor- worked around it. Um, wasn't really able to find a lot about it other than uh, that it was kind of a commercial creation um, for for this this Delta Add. Um, I've got a quote from Jenkins uh, stating that uh, from his website, my intention was to compose a work based in the European classical tradition, but with a vocal sound more akin to ethnic or world music. And uh, Miriam Stockley. Yeah, that says it all, doesn't it? Exactly. (laughs) Miriam Stockley uh, recalled um, kind of an uncomfortable session environment uh, that the advertising agency liked the lead vocal, but wanted more of a, quote, African slash childlike approach. So she, uh, Miriam Stockley, suggested uh, another uh, British or Irish singer, uh, Mary Carew, uh, to sing on the choruses. I will give this song credit in that they hired an actual flute player. Uh, the, the London Philharmonic <laughs> also uh, appears uh, in this recording. Um, I mean, this definitely pulls out the stops, and it, it does give me a, a, an emotional reaction. I don't know that I would go so far as to say that I would want to return to the to this track, but uh, I, I do appreciate the, the real instruments, and I, I, guess, I guess other than wanting to make you want to fly somewhere on Delta Airlines. I, I don't know what mood they're necessarily trying to convey here. Uh, what, what do you think? I oh, think this is uh, some Lion King shit right here. Uh, this is yeah, some... Very much some Lion King shit. This is some Animal Kingdom Park music coming out of fake rock speakers. Uh, <laughs> I think on first listens, I liked it, but this is some trial and tribulations type of dramatics that I may just not be game for. Uh, there's a track on the Metal Gear Solid Five Phantom Pain soundtrack that reminds me a lot of this. And this is what it sounds like. It, it, it kind of reminds me of, of this song. Like, what is this song? Is this is this what plays when Indiana Jones frees all the child slaves from the Temple of Doom? <laughs> like, yeah. it's just, I don't know. It's not my cup of tea. I think I may have just, like, have a strange aversion to, like, I, not only, because we kind of mentioned, like, that, you know, the African kid feel, but there's also... I might be wrong, but kind of like this Celtic folk infusion going on as well. Um, and no offense, uh, uh, but that's, I just have this strange aversion to that, like that kind of sound. I don't know why. Um, I think my mood ring senses too much of that in this. And I like incorporation of cultural, like mixing of, of, of different sounds and, and, and from the different cultures, you know, musical perspectives. I love that, but I don't know. I think it's a pure mood though. I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that all the, you know, (laughs) everyone got paid and and credited justly (laughs) for it. Who knows? But, uh, it's, it's a pure mood, just not a mood that I'm particularly, uh, I don't have that mood very often. (laughs) At all. <laughs> so, so you, you you heard Lion King. See, I, I heard for some reason I heard Lord of the Rings. <laughs> like when when the Celtic oh, kind I, of part is going. Yeah, not can, not the like African uh, stuff, but like yeah, I got a yeah, Lord of the Rings kind of. There's vibe that. There. 
yeah, I talk more about that later. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, I I kind of enjoyed this one. Um, I don't think I enjoyed. Like, I feel like the sample on the uh, first Enigma song and on Deep Forest, like, as far as the the stuff that kind of uses in, indigenous sounds, like, I prefer those two. It feels like they, I don't know, I just didn't really, this one didn't have as much of a hook. It didn't grab me as much. Um, Blake, what did you think? I said that it sounds like the score for a movie about a white man who saves Africa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it uh oh, man. i think it's worth noting that this is what i read at least that the lyrics have no meaning that it's utter gibberish uh contrived by carl jenkins this welshman who fancied himself a world music composer um so the things that they're actually saying i don't think are an actual language i i think that that says a lot there uh it's just something that sounded good in in the moment um and it it it, it's kind of it, it's different from the using uh, a, an indigenous sample in in the way that this is wholly contrived um, from whole cloth. It it does work on a on a, like a movie score level in some ways, and that the key changes that keep rising, I think, are evocative and do kind of uh, get get some emotion out of me. It's so arch and so dramatic, and it works on that level a little bit, but. As I said, it would be in a in a movie that that we would now Kevin Costner uh, saves Africa. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> it'd be in a movie that doesn't age well. Yeah, about a white savior. That's exactly what I get from this. I, um, and it it goes on for a long time. But yeah, that's all I had. I I don't think it's a coincidence that several of the songs uh, on this album and 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 I think this one is the is the most blatant that they're used in airline commercials and, and this one in particular <laughs> yeah. is, is, is kind of, we've all been, you know, noting that we, we don't really get it. What's it trying to do? And it's, it's, it's trying to be suitable t- for anybody around the world to listen to in an airport perhaps, or, uh, you know, <laughs> just make them think of, of, of flying Delta. But um, one of the yeah. places that you might fly if you're flying Delta is to Miami, where you might hear <laughs> Crockett's theme. <laughs> if you're lucky. Have you heard it? Uh, it's another one that's on the commercial, and uh, it was. I, I don't remember this from the game, but it was included in the Grand Theft Auto Vice City soundtrack, and mm. uh, also bank advertisements uh, in the in the UK. Um, it was uh, written in, written and performed by. I'm assuming it's Jan Hammer. Um, he's he's a Czech musician, uh, and he he sounds kind of like a badass. He he had to uh, to mm. flee. Um, Prague when uh, when it was invaded by the Warsaw Pact and he moved to Boston and went to Berkeley uh, where our friend of the show Sean Monday also uh, attended had a career in the 70s he toured with Sarah Vaughn played with John McLaughlin and um, 
Jeff Beck. He also played on Mick Jagger's first solo record in the 80s. This track was the 1985 Grammy winner for Best Instrumental Rock Performance, and I should have mentioned at the top you'd be hearing it in oh, wow. the uh, Miami because it was on, I'm blanking on the name, Don Johnson. Miami, Miami Vice. Miami Vice, yes, Miami, Miami Vice. Vice. Yeah. <laughs> you'd hear it in Miami Vice, the uh, popular television program. I think this song works for me where Oxygen doesn't. Uh, oh shit! I, I think that, <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Fired. I know. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm stirring, stirring the pot here. But uh, I think yeah. there's more. I think there's more emotional content. Um, yes, it sounds dated. Um, yes, it's cheesy. But I, I think that almost kind of encapsulates it, and you, you're able to kind of contextualize the way that it sounds knowing that it's so dated, you know, it, it's almost more of just kind of a, a curiosity or, or an artifact, but, uh, but, but I, I still like it. I think it's a good melody. I like the drums. Um, I, I like when the guitar, you know, picks up it's, it, it's, it's meant to be enjoyable music that, that puts you in a good mood, you know, cause you're going to watch Don Johnson, uh, take, take down some drug dealers and, and, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I, I think it's fun and, and, I, and I have fun listening to it. So, so, so my, my mood for this is fun. Without knowing it was from Miami Vice, I think I knew it was from Miami Vice. Like it just sounds like <laughs> 80s, 80s doing yeah. Coke rails off the dashboard of a DeLorean, you know? Uh, it's, it's just, uh, it's very 80s. I, I didn't, I also noted a similarity to uh, the, the Jar Oxygen, but I didn't necessarily think it was better than that like it just felt like we were kind of back in that mood you know like a, a demas was very much in the same mood as like the the inyo or the enigma and, and this is sort of back in the tubular bells and uh, jean michael jar kind of mood um and, and so to that end i enjoyed it kind of the same way i enjoyed those um sort of as a good mood music, I guess you could say. Um, but I, I still think I tend to prefer the stuff on this album that is more traditional song structure. I, I think that's just what I tend to gravitate gravitate more towards. I'd, I'd say my mood was mostly bored, honestly, un, until when the guitar kicks in and it does get more rocking, then I think the song is a lot more interesting. Uh, up until then, I'm, I'm not wildly interested um this fell under the category of well at least there's no cultural appropriation in this one <laughs> so it's one of the few on on the comp here um it does it makes me long for the drive soundtrack so if you're in the mood for um the the soundtrack beneath um a, a cool guy uh driving a, a a sports car around uh, a city and uh, illicit activities may be involved. Check out the uh, <laughs> original score and soundtrack for the motion picture drive. I think it for, was from around 2010 or somewhere thereabouts. Um, that, that is a dope ass soundtrack. Uh, it makes me think of that. Crockett's theme wasn't wild about though. Well, I uh, have strong strong concerns and questions about us moving forward all as friends <laughs> and whether or not we yeah. should even do this podcast anymore but i'll go ahead and start 
Uh, I love this track, and I think the only reason, I, the the best thing that could have happened happened that I did not know that it was Miami Vice until like today. Uh, and uh, really, but I've I, yeah, I've been listening to it all along, but I I didn't know it was from Miami Vice. Never heard it before, and so I treated it as just like another uh, instrumental artist. So. My mood ring definitely sends me into an 80s frenzy, and I'm ready for any and all moods like this. Uh, I've mentioned Metal Gear Solid a ton of times, um, but it, it has such a great soundtrack that not only comes from the 80s with tracks you know from the 80s, but it also uh, has inspired 80s uh, for modern originals. So they made their own 80s-inspired tracks f- specifically for the soundtrack. And I just feel like this would sit perfectly in there running around infiltrating different, you know, like stronghold and military bases as Solid Snake or, or I'm sorry, Venom Snake. But no, I, th- I think it's uh, it, there's also some John Carpenter vibes there as well to me. Like I could hear this easily and, you know, uh, a John Carpenter movie like Big Trouble in Little China or it it just has some some of his his tropes in there but i think it's a pure mood all the way um but uh yeah i didn't know it was from miami vice and i'm it's good that i didn't because i probably that would have probably soured me a little yeah. bit yeah maybe your... i'd like it more if i never knew that hmm. yeah well bias uh, yeah i i guess don johnson is on a mission and uh he's <laughs> He's going to go back in time and hook up with uh, with some some monks in Central America, and this is what that might sound like. from the mission was composed by Ennio Morcone, uh, who, who we all know from spaghetti westerns and lots and lots of other film scores. We, we're, we're kind of entering the, uh, well, what else can we put on this compilation from our back catalog yeah. portion <laughs> of, the, uh, of the compilation? Uh, the soundtrack uh, for this was on Virgin. Um, where have you heard it? Well, from the movie The Mission, uh, a 1986 movie starring... Robert De Niro and Jeremy Irons. Um, Josh, I don't know if you were in this class with me, but I've actually seen this movie. Um, we watched it in high school in a history class. Um, I, I didn't remember the, the music uh, from it necessarily. Um, this uh, won a BAFTA for Best Music, uh, won a Golden Globe for Best Original Score, and it was nominated for uh, the Best Original Music Academy Award alongside... Uh, Leonard Rosemans, Rosenman's score from Star Trek IV, uh, James Horner's Aliens score, Jerry Goldsmith's mm. score from Hoosiers, 
and the winner was Herbie Hancock for around midnight. And I, I guess there it was it was a pretty controversial uh, pick. Uh, a lot of people really liked Jerry Goldsmith's Hoosiers score, uh, which I will have to go back and, and revisit. But uh, uh, Morcone was was kind of salty about it uh, and, and said. Um, that he, he definitely felt that he should have won for the mission, especially when you consider that the Oscar winner that year was Round Midnight, which was not an original score. It had a very good arrangement by Herbie Hancock, but he used existing pieces, so there could be no comparison with the mission. There was a theft. So uh, uh, Ennio <laughs> was, was pretty pretty spicy about it. Um, <laughs> I like this score. Uh, you know, we, we heard just, just a bit of it, but, um, you know, it... it it's got several things that kind of, you know, play to the themes of the movie. You know, obviously there's choral elements that would that would match with with Catholic monks and and also kind of that jauntier section. But um, I, I really liked the uh, uh, the da 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 theme. Um, I, I believe that that theme is, is titled Gabriel's Oboe. Um, I, I didn't have a chance to sit down and listen to the whole. Uh, score album, but but that uh, that was the the title of of one of the themes uh, that that might have been. I, I know that this was one of the songs that was the most frequently miss uh, had the incorrect music uploaded uh, in in YouTube compilations that I had heard. Uh, the several versions of quote unquote theme from the mission were, were kicking around uh, in in YouTube. But uh, but that clip was was from uh, Logan's CD rip. So so I, I liked it. I, I was, you know, music scores like that kind of put you put me at least in a different place when I'm when I'm hearing them. You know, I think the, the different instrumentation, you know, you, you, you just you just hear it differently. But but I, I think it works works for me. Matt was right on when when he was saying that at this point they're kind of like well what else can we stick on here so I guess let's just start putting some selections from different movie scores uh just setting some some moods whatever those moods might be this didn't particularly stick out to me um of course it's a movie about Jesuit missionaries in South America of course it's about colonialism what could be more appropriate for this album. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I was a little bit bored by this is maybe the, the lull, the mid album lull or something where I'm, I'm getting bored, but uh, I, I wasn't familiar with the movie or the score, but it's not, it's not the kind of score that, that stands out a, a whole lot to me, like, like a carpenter might uh, or something like that. But yeah, I didn't have a whole lot to say on this one. I will ju- from well, what I recall from the film, uh, Robert De Niro's character was actually, uh, someone who was kind of working with the indigenous people. So I, I, I take your point that, uh, that, that, yeah, there, there are elements of that, that colonialism too, but, uh, Robert De Niro's character was actually kind of, you know, in opposition to, to those. So I, uh, that was just kind of an interesting thing that thing that you'd, you'd picked okay. up on. Yeah. So like a dances with wolves, another movie I haven't seen. I, yeah, Kevin I, Costner I, I think saves. <laughs> exactly. He's saving. He's, he's their white savior. <laughs> well, I, I didn't go down too far with, of that uh, with this one is beautiful to me. I, I really want to get into more of uh, Enio's uh, music. My mood ring uh, gives me this feel of a grassy green field, like Napoleon dynamite riding horseback to Kip and LaFonda's wedding, or <laughs> maybe even some Elvish wedding in Rivendale 
Like I'm just mm. getting like this very springtime, like everyone is at peace and and everyone is out in this, you know, spring green field and it's just beautiful and everyone's so happy. Um no, I, I, I kid, but uh, I, I enjoy this. I think it's definitely a pure mood, and I think he, he does some good work. So I, I will really quickly say this because uh, I want to get us going, but I, uh, I I love this one. This is, is one of my favorites on this, this uh, CD, and I kept thinking, where have I heard this before? And I feel like maybe you guys <laughs> will feel this way as well. So, Blake, this is if you can play the clip I put up, it says theme from the mission uh, knockoff. I put a little <laughs> bit of the mission and then the thing that it reminds me of right after it. This ought to be I'll good. I'll see if this okay. rem- you guys hear it as well. So theme from the mission, just to remind yeah. everybody. Uh-huh. Okay. Stop. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, you're right. So, if you you can go ahead, it's the same same key and everything. It's yeah, Radiohead uh, motion picture soundtrack, the last song today. I I actually tried to put them over each other, and it works for a a, a hot second. But then he he sings some he sings some notes that aren't quite in there, and it sounded off. Mm -hmm. So I just cut that part. But yeah, I enjoyed it. But that's I kept thinking a motion picture soundtrack, uh, which which is a good song. So works out. But uh, speaking of. you know, you know, Radiohead gets their name from a, a Talking Head song. Did you guys know that? You don't get to do the transitions. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, though. They did. And who's the lead singer of the Talking Heads? Go ahead, Matt. You can take it from here. Why? The, uh, that would be one David Byrne, uh, who wrote another soundtrack. Uh, this is the theme from The Last Emperor. Where have you heard it? Well, you've heard it if you've seen the movie The Last Emperor. Didn't didn't identify any uh, any other uses uh, in in culture. Uh, it was another uh, soundtrack that was released on Virgin Records. Um, it's credited credited to uh, the the soundtrack itself is credited to Ryuichi Sakamoto and David Byrne. I think this song in particular is just David Byrne, but but I know that they worked yes. together for the uh, uh, for the record as a whole. Uh, this won the 1987 Oscar, so just a year after uh, the mission um, for best original score, beating out uh, two different John Williams scores for the Wist- the Witches of Eastwick and Empire of the Sun. Cry Freedom by, or excuse me, Cry Freedom by George Fenton and Jonas Guangua and Ennio Morcone again for The Untouchables, which is a phenomenal score, which I I do uh, remember enjoying very much. Um, I, I think this is an interesting piece. Uh, I, I think that this probably succeeds where Carl Jenkins may, may have failed in kind of melding Western music 
patterns and 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 styles with uh with, with world or or eastern uh east asian instrumentation um i believe that instrument that that you hear that percussive instrument is called a metallophone or uh, a metal phone which um i i think works really well um I, I like this. I think it's a it's a good melody. It's a simple melody. It's kind of going from from the one to the two minor, just kind of working back but back and forth between those. There there's not a lot going on with the melody. It's kind of just that that one theme. Uh, so maybe not as much for me to hold on to necessarily as as a theme from the mission. But um, but I I think this this works uh, well um, as well, and I I think it fits in this kind of let's see what we got in the back catalog section well i i think this is a nice track i'd I'd really like to see the movie at some point i'd and i haven't seen uh the mission either so i'd really like to see that so both of these tracks are just like you know once again an instrumental track to just kind of sit back and listen to um, my mood ring imagines exploring China and diving into the culture. Uh, I never want to say never, but I doubt I'll ever make it to China, but I've heard that it's beautiful and I love the music. So it's, I, I only have good things to say about it. Um, so it's definitely a pure mood for me. Yeah. Sec- seconded on that. I, I actually also really liked this one. Um, I had a hard time. I, I guess, Matt, you actually kind of made the case there that it's not as like appropriating as some of the, I mean, it's not at all. Obviously he's not sampling, you know, actual like people singing traditional stuff and then reusing that without their consent. He's, he's kind of playing song in that style. Um, and at first I was like, is that, that bad but then i was like i guess i don't know you made the case there that it really wasn't and 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 so i'm like okay yeah i'm I'm fine with this uh and it i don't know i liked this one i did have the question of like could you tell that it's david byrne without knowing that because there's this part of me after hearing it was david byrne that i couldn't not hear kind of like talking heads david byrne a little bit in it but yeah. then i was like am i just doing that like because i know it's him that i'm just kind of pl- putting it in there um or is it genuinely there i, I don't know the answer to that but i did well, enjoy this track we play rock you- and roll and that's pretty much appropriated good point good point i mean that was sort of where i was at. i was like i don't know i mean i guess the point is you have these discussions right but yeah. uh I'm not yeah, for maybe. or against it. It just popped into my head that, like, <laughs> no matter where, I'm just trying to see, like, well, where does the line end or whatever, you know, like, where yeah. do you, because it is, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it is, it's a tough subject to, to try to figure out and to it's grapple with. We, we, we all know right. for it's sure all stolen. That, that Enigma Return to Innocence is not the correct way. To yeah. And we, yeah. and we definitely yeah, yeah. used <laughs> samples liberally and like, or have done things without <laughs> consent or permission, I'm sure. So yeah. you, some of the cover, you know, London yeah, beat. Yeah. <laughs> hey, 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 let's not play that. Uh, but I enjoy hey, I enjoyed Nobody this. needs to I know. enjoyed this one for sure. Blake, what do you think? Um, well, I want to point out, this is on the album, this is our very first American composer. Uh, though for some strange reason, he is composing traditional Chinese music. I'm not sure why. My, my whole thing is like, why? So I, I like David Byrne, and I've... I've obviously talked about how I'm a, I, a fan of talking heads and we've all kind of talked about that on this podcast. I don't know why this score had to be David Byrne. 
I guess he always had a, an interest in, in, in quotes here, w- world music or, or did at some point. Um, and through his connections, you know, got this gig. It, it, it's, it's just weird to me. You know, I don't know if it's right or wrong or if, if it's appropriate or not, but it's weird. Um, yeah, he had the collaborator, of, of course. Um, but uh, as far as what Josh was saying, I actually did... I felt, uh, to me, it sounded like if you replaced the violin melody with David Byrne's voice, it honestly does would sound like maybe one of the lesser Talking Heads songs, like one that is a little more boring to me <laughs> than, like, not one of their bangers. Something but on, I could definitely... on Naked or, you know, one of the, late, the last <laughs> yeah, album, one of, yeah. One of the albums I don't listen to. I, I, I definitely hear David Byrne, but I, I, I hear more of that traditional sound than I than I do Byrne here. Just, just a strange one. I'm not I am not gonna revisit it a whole lot. It's not that interesting to me. It, it works okay as as background music, movie score music, which I could say about a lot of the album. I'm I'm a fan of him and his band, but this one didn't move the needle a, a lot for me. So yeah. I, I had that same thought about how the the violin line, knowing that it's David Byrne, you could picture him singing singing over that melody. Yeah. I, I think that that's an astute point. Um, and uh, I think that we, you know, we're all having fun here. And, you know, we, we want to wish everyone happiness and prosperity, uh, just like hmm. the group Sacred Spirit. Well, not just like the group Sacred Spirit, okay? It's not don't, just like the group Don't lump us in, okay? <laughs> uh, because yeah. we don't want to do it just like Sacred Spirit, uh, th- this song, uh, Yeehaw Noha, Wishes of Happiness and Prosperity, is included uh, in the commercial uh, cut package. So uh, for our, our clip for this uh, song, I have uh, gotten a hold of what this uh, vocal was based on, which is the Navajo shoe game song, which is part of the, the Navajo origin myth. So we'll, we'll drop that in, in here. So the uh, the German producer uh, Klaus Zundel, who goes by the eyebrow-raising name "The Fearsome Brave," um, sampled <laughs> a a recording of uh, Navajo um, a Navajo man named Kichi Jake singing uh, a, a portion of the uh, the Navajo shoe game song and used it in uh, the Yeehaw Noha uh, single that was uh, from Sacred Spirit, Where Have You Heard It? It's on the commercial. Um, it was also on a uh, Haagen-Dazs commercial in France, and it was also used <laughs> in a uh, British uh, advertisement for a charity uh, called the, the Survival International Charity featuring Richard Gere, which was meant to uh to to raise funds for um indigenous populations um i have not been able to find a lot of information about any kind of any kind of nefarious dealings if mr klaus is going by uh the name the fearsome brave i i'm 
I'm hoping that <laughs> that uh, that that that's not a, a red flag. Um, I did see that portions of, of of Sacred Spirit record sales are contributed to uh, the Native American Rights Fund. Um, so, as a song, it's again you know uh, the the pretty standard uh, pure moods formula of a uh, an indigenous melody over uh, dance beats. Um, so if that works for you, you know, it, uh, uh, it, it's another one that, uh, that does it. Um, I, I think it's fine. Um, I, but I, I don't think it's, it's as good perhaps as return to innocence or, or the vocal on uh, sweet lullaby. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said there. Uh, this one did get stuck in my head quite a bit, but, uh, I don't know if that's necessarily means it's, it's great. I, I did enjoy it for the most part, but, uh yeah, it's it's lesser than those others you mentioned for sure. Um I I did have a thought, uh a couple thoughts. So one, uh you know who I realized does a similar thing here is Moby. Yeah, you know on Moby like play, yes, like yeah. he, he, he doesn't yeah. take like necessarily world music type stuff, but like he did like mine, you know, old blues records and gospel and did a similar gospel, thing of like yeah. throwing a beat bloat. The other thing, and I'm saying this with all sincerity, not as a joke, even though it is also kind of funny. You know what is another example of European electronic artist culturally appropriating a a different culture in the nineties that went like really viral but is not on this album? Cotton Eye Joe. And I'm not saying it was German. Yeah, because they were like those dudes were like Swedish or German, and they took like an American folk song, (laughs) and it's just weird because the the appropriation is they're appropriating like poor American culture. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's that's my culture. That's Ozark's (laughs) culture. Get your hands off it. But it's not on this album, and it wouldn't fit at all. It shouldn't be included. But it is an example of that like '90s '90s phenomenon of like. European artist being like, you know what? Let's just collect folk songs from around the world and throw a dance beat below it. That has nothing to do with Sacred Spirit, but I, I just thought that occurred to me. Um, <laughs> I, Sacred Spirit, eh, is all right. Yeah, um, yeah. I said, why? Why are the Germans doing this? The Germans strike again. Once, once. That's again, a phrase that's been uttered mining. a lot in <laughs> <laughs> world I history. Should, maybe like, I, in twenty the twentieth century. It, yeah, <laughs> C- considering the history, twentieth uh, century history, maybe I shouldn't put it in such dramatic terms. <laughs> but it is once again the strip mining of, of indigenous cultures for for uh, pop musical gain. Um, I it was it was interesting to hear that uh, Matt's clip there. The original that original recording of of the of the the shoe game uh, of of the Navajo music didn't sound a whole lot like what it sounds like in um, this version the, this this pop popularized version. Um, it's almost like they they kind of chopped and screwed the the melody around to fit a more traditional Western pop style melody and be a lot more upbeat sounding. To I guess make uh, this maybe this is some projection, but to to make some white folks in the uh, 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 the mall store, uh, shit, I already forgot what was that store called again. Natural wonders. Natural wonders. Okay, to make some folks in natural wonder feel better about themselves because they've got they are they're listening to the song about uh, prosperity and happiness. They have no idea uh, it may be produced by some cynical Germans. 
Um, it's for all they know, it's completely traditional and authentic. But uh, to me, it's um, the the beat and the drums and stuff and the keyboard patches sound a bit cheesy and dated. Um, and and exactly as Matt said, it is the formula once again. So I'm I'm a little bored of that by now. Yeah, this CD may have very well have been sold at Natural Wonders. Oh, I don't doubt it. The picture on the front looks familiar to me. I really love the beginning of the track. It it tricks me into thinking I'm going to really like it, and I do like it. <laughs> um, but though we've been given some similar tracks, like you know Blake has said, I, I could see the argument being made for or against this song. Um, I'm, I'm just hoping that it was authorized and the money was put towards Native Americans, but I think, Matt, you were saying that that happened. That, that's a Wikipedia uh, assertion. I, 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 I cannot confirm that that, uh, that that is, in fact, the case. Because especially if your German-made album is, if your German album is theming your entire album on Native American chants, like, I, I think it definitely <laughs> should be. Um, I'm hoping that it was ethically and legally done and not just for a buck, but I can't deny how the music pairs well with the Native American chanting. It works well. And I think that Josh brought up a, a good point earlier of like, you know, where else are, are you know, us white guys from middle America, Missouri going to hear this <laughs> other than us like, hey, listen to that, you know, album that we we yeah. heard on a commercial like it's we wouldn't have heard these things otherwise. And so maybe that's going to lead us down uh, a different road or look into uh, this music and, and, and find more ethically sourced versions of it that uh, we could appreciate more. But uh, overall, if everything, everyone gets their due rights and everything, I, I think it could be a pure mood. But if not, then it, I'd just say a mood. All right. Well, we're falling back into it. Uh, this is another uh, track that is uh, I- incorrectly credited on the commercial. It's referred to as a theme from Fire Walk With Me. And one of the YouTube compilations that I listened to had the theme from fire walk with me but that is not the song yep. that is on the record it is falling by angelo <laughs> badalamenti uh, which is the theme from t- from the television show twin peaks Where have you heard it? It's at the end of the commercial, and uh, it's, of course, the theme from Twin Peaks uh, by Angelo Badalamenti, a longtime uh, David Lynch collaborator. He started uh, this piece with uh, working with a down-tuned guitar that that gave him that initial uh, component and then added in the um, keyboard tones. Um, I've got a quote from from Angelo about conceptualizing the song and uh, the ruckus of beers flying through the air at the roadhouse. We have Julie singing a beautiful slow tempo song and it's so outrageous. You would never have that kind of a song in a place like that. 
The songs with Julie serve a twofold purpose. They contrast the visuals and they set the tone for the show. And I think that's, I think that's exactly right. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to uh, not think of the show when you hear this music. I, I will note that uh, in the album credits, this is referred to as the theme from Firewalk With Me, which is the, the Twin Peaks movie, also directed by David Lynch with uh, music by Angelo Badalamenti. But uh, theme from Firewalk With Me is actually a different song, and that's what appears in a lot of the uh, the YouTube uh, compilations that we look through for this. Um, we can drop in that uh, theme from Firewalk With Me here. So obviously that that still has that that Twin Peaks vibe uh, of the the kind of mournful trumpet, uh, muted trumpet, and and the the brush work. But uh, but as far as falling goes, um, it, it, I mean it's great. I, I, I don't know, I, I, and I know Logan is the is the resident uh, Twin Peaks um, super fan. So I'll um, I'll I'll, uh, I'll keep it short and say that this is very good uh, music and absolutely belongs on, on this record uh i had this down as as one of the actual actual good pieces on here surprise surprise i was predisposed i already liked this piece so yeah i have a bias um there is also a, uh, as, as matt mentioned the the version with the lyrics which i I'd, I'd recommend checking out as interesting as well you hear it i think in the first episode of the show what's most interesting about this piece to me um, oh, also Badalamenti. Uh, you might think he's Italian, but he's actually American-born. So one of the another one of the few Americans on this compilation. Um, at first blush, this piece kind of sounds like a a cheesy soap opera, fakey fake thing. <laughs> but I think when you give it a chance, there's there's so much more going on, and it's like it, it's like a metaphor for the show itself, almost like you you think it's this weird, goofy thing, but it really pulls you in. the The instruments all have kind of this surreal or fake sound. Um, I was surprised to hear that 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 guitar, whether it's a detuned or baritone guitar, I, it could have fooled me for like a. Guitar, fake guitar keyboard patch or something. I couldn't tell whether it was, <laughs> but but you say it's a it was a real one, with all that like um, reverb and vibrato on it. And I really love that the dun dun, and then just the way the 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 piece is constantly climbing. I uh, I I love. Um, and then at, as the title says, falling. Once it climbs to the top, it then falls down again. Um, it's really weird to describe it without just listening to it, but I, I, I think it's a beautiful piece. I love the synth strings in there, uh, for that fire walk with me piece. I thought that it's interesting. It sounds like, uh, I've never even seen that movie, but it sounds like a combination of different pieces from the show, like combining the, the, the synth, um, chords from the Laura Palmer love theme. Mm-hmm. with that jazzy beat underneath with the brushes and the, the stand-up bass so i like the the combining of 
elements there from the show. Uh, I guess we can all be friends again. <laughs> <laughs> this is a I I do highly hey, recommend. Hey, I haven't spoken yet. You don't know. Well, you know, hates it. I think you, you got out lucky on the last one. You got to go after I I, I got mad uh, mad at them. So uh, right. so <laughs> you're on the. You're just gonna have to deal with it. <laughs> Uh, no, this is a banger-worthy track. It's it's beautiful. It's timeless. It's full of mood. Um, I I should note that I think it should be noted that David Lynch also gets a co-write in this song. And since I didn't see his name anywhere on the uh, credits in the booklet that came with the CD, uh, I got the mm. idea that this was probably not quite authorized by Lynch. And in fact, I think those soundtracks are on like Warner Brothers, maybe, or something like a whole nother. So it's like, why did Virgin like you? I don't know. Like, weird. Anyway, uh, but. Uh, Angelo Badalamini is top tier, and I love Lynch, and I love Twin Peaks. That's that's for sure. A uh, special place in my heart. Um, but my mood ring has the Al Cave symbol on it, but I'm afraid it's a, it's a doppelganger <laughs> or worse, a, a tulpa. Um, but yeah, the shit is kind of a mess with, with the naming. Like, that's kind of a big disappointment. Like, I feel like that's just kind of a glaring... Like, uh, you're taking something that's already like people complain about as being hard to understand and you're just like making it even more (laughs) confusing, (laughs) confusing, you know, it's like, thanks a lot. Great. Anyway, uh, there is a version that I recommend with, uh, Julie Cruz's vocals, um, and the lyrics written by David Lynch that are, it's very worth it. And I highly recommend the fire walk with me soundtrack that, that song you're, you're right, Blake, it does combine a lot of the uh themes and Mm. elements we've heard while i love it and i 100 percent believe this track to be a pure mood and iconic i I, i'm a little bit skeptical of its inclusion and like purity (laughs) so without david lynch's name on it but uh no i it's a mood and it 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 really truly is a pure mood i think it for what they are going for this is a this is a good track even though it's probably not very pure at heart i don't know Maybe it's wild at heart. What if what if contractually Lynch only gets credit if lyrics are used? What if that's a thing? They call that the Roddenberry. He could have been doing that guitar thing, like because David Lynch has this thing where he does he plays guitar on a lot of these different albums, like with Blue Bob and like these different groups, and he'll like detune guitars and he'll lay them across his lap and like play them like a almost like a lap steel and just like move his. He'll do, he takes a completely different approach to the guitar. It's not even like, it's his own approach to it. It's like how I play. That sounds wild. Yeah, it's it's crazy. But he gets these weird sounds that he loves. I'll just quickly say, I I do like this one. Uh, I second Logan's uh, recommendation of seeking out the Julie Cruz version. And in fact, that whole Julie Cruz album that Angelo Badalamente produced, did he produce it, correct, uh, Logan? The first one, the Floating Into the Night? Uh, um, I th- I think David Lynch produced it, but he uh, helped write the he, music yeah, for it. Yeah, right? he he yeah. he was the dude. He was the musician behind. And, and it includes "Falling," but also a few other songs that are in the show and other. And it's just, oh yeah, it's just a good album. It's hopefully uh, something so it's we'll hit on in, in the future. And and I feel like uh, I feel like this actually the this theme fits this mood better than the x-files one almost like 
I like that they didn't try to throw a techno beat below it. Yes. <laughs> that would have made oh, it so much worse if it would have just come in with like the oomph, 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 like that would be you know, so with, wild with falling. So uh, as it is, I like it. Uh, it's it's a great song, but I already felt that way before I'd heard this. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, take us home, Matt. We're kind of we're getting into the home stretch here. The home stretch. Yeah, oh, we're man. we're al- almost there. I I will also mention uh, seeking out. Uh, Angelo has a video on YouTube where he talks about writing Laura's theme with yes, David. Yes, I've seen that. Uh, Josh, I think you showed it to me, and I'm, I'm sure everyone here has, has seen it. But uh, but it's it's really worth seeking that out and and just you know hearing him talk about David's process and you know how they just kind of conjured this uh, this feeling and this mood uh, just from from the yes. the visualizations of uh, what David Lynch had and and you know I, I just think it's a it's a great example of you know kind of creative partnership and and how you know co- collaboration can can lead to, to really excellent results um, a, another collaboration is uh, that of our next artist named uh, Jeffrey Oyema whose uh, debut album Exile was produced by Brian Eno, and it was released in uh, 1990 on uh, Peter Gabriel's Real World label. Let's drop that track in. And I should have mentioned that the title of the track is Makambo. Jeffrey Oriema um, fled uh, Uganda uh, after his father, um, Areneo Wilson Oriema, uh, who was a cabinet minister in the Idi Amin government, uh, was murdered in 1977, likely uh on the orders of the government. So his son, Jeffrey had to, had to flee. The uh, album exile was recorded in, in 1990. Uh, Jeffrey plays guitars. Uh, Peter Gabriel provides backing vocals on some other tracks on the record. Um, I wasn't really able to find much about the recording uh, or, or just the, the song in general. Um, but uh, he did uh, perform at Woodstock 94, which is the good Woodstock of the 90s. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I like this track. Um, it kind of only has one thing that it does, but it does it really well. You might say, well, this is like, you know, music at the spa. And I, I think that that is correct to a certain extent, but... Um, you know, there, there's, there's emotion there and there is, you know, longing and, and, you know, it's evocative, uh, beyond just kind of your, your bland, uh, you know, facial, uh, uh, accompanying soundtrack. So I, you know, I, I think that, that it is, uh, one of the purest of pure moods, uh, on the record. And, um, I, I was glad to hear it. Uh, I, I had not heard it. I've not, I want to say that uh, his his name sounded familiar, like I might have heard of him, but uh, it's not included on the commercial, and and it's not uh, um, used anywhere that, that I've been able to find. Yeah, I I admit I don't know much about this song and didn't research this one as much, but I definitely low key think this is one of the best tracks on the album. 
Um, my mood ring senses a, a sadness in this track, but not in a bad way, in a very calming way for me. Melancholy. Um, I love how it's drowning in reverb. The guitar playing is just yeah. beautiful. Uh, the singing is too, but I... I get this sense of a misty, foggy walk through distant memories and silent city streets and um, just kind of this trance-like state of, yeah, it kind of is a one note, um, but doing it well, but it, it just kind of turns into almost a meditative kind of thing um, for me. So I, I think it it ranks high up in the pure mood category. I enjoyed this one. I don't know if I enjoyed it to the degree you guys have so far. Um, it is interesting that this is one where we have someone singing a a song that is just like, I don't know, it, it, it it's it's just a song they wrote. Um, it's not like a sample. It's not from something. It just seems like it's a actual piece of world music that's that's not been kind of uh, taken out of context. Um, so I, I don't know. I enjoyed it for those reasons. Um, it's not something I normally would listen to, but I, I did enjoy it. Did anyone else accidentally come across some sort of dance remix as I did? On, oh I think, shit! On YouTube? So it has yes. been. Oh, no, but I I need to hear. I need to hear it though. <laughs> uh, no, you don't. I, it, it didn't, no, I want to. It didn't improve it, it, but I was on one of those YouTube things that that people made, and it, it's like. Macambo, but make it mtis mtis mtis. Um, the the normal version of this song, I think, is one of the better ones on on here. Um, I already liked Brian Eno and and Peter Gabriel, so that there's my buy in. Um, the guitar lick uh, that it, that it starts with and that stays with is is catchy, and I I like it right away. And and that whole that that drowned in reverb that reverby vibrato thing that's just saturating the the background of it is re- a really cool effect i i wonder if it's a brian eno decision cuz it sounds like some of the background noise on some of his stuff his ambient stuff all that's cool the really the only negative thing i've had about this song was that i think it's a bit repetitive at about 5 minutes of that same guitar lick i don't think it needed to be that but but otherwise, this one I think is good. All right, um, we're all we're all married now, and <laughs> you know, uh, people's wives ha- have different features, and uh, this particular uh, Mark. Where is Isham, this going? <laughs> a bad place, <laughs> you know. So we're all. Uh, I guess wife guys uh, these days, but um, Mark, Mark, <laughs> I uh, guess Mark Esham, Mark Esham is is a wife guy, and his wife has champagne shoulders. Let's hear it. have you heard it who knows uh, it's not in the commercial um it's not uh used anywhere else but you have probably heard 
uh, Mark Esham. He's an American uh, trumpeter and synthesist and uh, film score composer. Um, he's worked on tons of movies, uh, most notably Point Break. Uh, he was nominated for an Oscar for his work on A River Runs Through It. Uh, he did the score for Fire in the Sky, which Josh, I know, is a a movie that, that mm. you enjoy. And, and Logan, too, I think. I I watched that I recently. I don't know if yeah. enjoyed is the right word. Uh, you know, but... <laughs> uh, I, I watched that for a podcast, yes. uh, Lupine Transmissions, recently. <laughs> uh, I didn't even know that he did that score. Yeah. Um, additionally, uh, Time Cop, Nell... Uh, he wrote a score for Waterworld that was rejected. The Net. Uh, <laughs> th- those are probably the, the biggest ones. Also, uh, Chicago Hope, The Black Dahlia, Chicago Hope, the, t- the television program. Um, according to this, Bill and Ted face the music. So he's he's been all over. Wow. All over Hollywood. Also, most notably, uh, wrote the music for Crash. And uh, some haven't been able to find too much about this album for crash which uh, crash yeah which crash oh, I, are we talking about I, I guess yeah, I, sh- I should yeah. specify uh the um uh the Los Angeles um one you know intersecting stories Paul Haggis crash okay, not the the, the Oscar winning one the Oscar yes one. yes the, que- <laughs> the Oscar winning uh crash that that is correct uh, the, no, no one no one is sexually attracted to car crashes in uh, in this movie, but um, yeah. w- one one thing I, I did find in, in doing some research, I, I guess, is uh, he was he was one of the one of the people uh, one of the people involved in Scientology who was very upset with uh, with Paul Haggis when when he was coming out with his his letter about leaving Scientology. Um, I guess they were really close from working uh, on on the movie Crash. As far as the song goes, I I mean I don't think I will be alone in in being kind of ho hum about this uh it's just kind of mopey mopey spa uh music with you know pretty schmaltzy strings um i did include that uh that guitar uh kind of strum that's that's right at the end of the track uh that i think is the best part of the track that that that's kind of the only thing that i really grabbed onto with this yeah, I got nothing. This is a nothing song. <laughs> really, I know it's I know it's something that Logan brings up before, and it is stereotypical that I lose interest at the end of albums. But I mean, this one is is trying to make me lose interest. I feel like at this point, like, come on, these last few tracks. I, I know I'm tipping my hand, but they are not winners yeah. in the overall scheme of things on this album. <laughs> um, it's just, it's just. Uh, boring I, I don't know i got nothing blake you got anything for this one i i do i do feel the same way the the last few tracks seem kind of tacked on boring stuff just like uh just throw whatever on there no one will be listening by this point anyway um yeah except me like I, I don't think it's from a film score <laughs> except for logan <laughs> okay. logan always pays attention to the end uh compared to yeah it it has a slow and soft and sigur rosy quality but it's not as exciting as their music. I, I called it uh, chill out music for moms. Maybe I don't know, but my wife. I did. I did. <laughs> I, I got a kick out of the title. Any any time you put my wife in the title, I, I, I go ahead. Uh, I'm not gonna just. I, yeah, I'm not gonna waste my time. <laughs> uh, I I loved it, and I had a lot of reasons for liking it, but I feel stupid, really? stupid now. No, but you can uh, love it. nah, I I feel 
I don't know. Uh, yeah, I get it. Uh, but I don't know. Listen to the track on your own and uh, decide for yourself if you like it or not. And uh, I, I think it's How a total f- pure mood. It is a mood. How do you feel about the uh, the nylon string guitar? Um, I love it. And okay. um, I I think it's 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 awesome. The first guitar that I ever owned was a nylon string guitar given to me by my grandpa, and uh, I just love that like f- flamenco style of playing. Um, I didn't think it was cheesy, and I and I thought that there was something else there that was bubbling underneath the the surface that I was really into. But you know, it, it it's not for everybody. Um, but I think that if you I don't know. It's not everyone's cup of tea. I get it. And I think it does suffer in, in its placement, um, you know, uh, be, being that, that close to the end. But um, I, I miss prom- that Josh demographic that just uh, <laughs> you know, the, the drops Josh off at the end. <laughs> uh, well, I, I promise that we're almost done. And uh, our, our next track is called The Promise by Michael Nyman. Uh, That was uh, the theme from the movie The Piano, starring... Holly Hunter. Uh, this is another one of those. Uh, uh, the soundtrack came out on Virgin uh, inclusions. Um, Michael L- Nyman uh, is is a British composer. Didn't have a lot of uh, work that I recognize, but he's very pr- prolific, and and looks like he writes a lot of uh, a lot of classical uh, music. Uh, it was nominated for um, a Golden Globe Award for Best Original Score. Uh, and for a BAFTA, but uh, lost both of them. Um, don't really have a lot uh, on this song, uh, but I, I do like it. Um, I you know I'm a piano player, uh, so I'm I'm always going to perk up when I hear you know interesting uh, uh, piano compositions. I, I like what he does with the rhythm um, and, and kind of the accents, and, and there's a lot of triplets and and, and kind of six eight halftime. Uh, so, um, I, I, I think it's, it's a neat little, uh, uh, neat little track to, to, to slip in there. Um, it, it might be a little bit long. Um, it, it's, it's right over four minutes, but, um, but I, I, I think, I think I'm, I'm taking the, the Logan position on, on this one that, uh, I, th- th- there's, there, there's more here than meets the eye or the ear as it were. It's a transformer. Um, yeah, it's from the piano soundtrack. It's a piano-based piece. Uh, shocking. It is. It is a mood, I guess. Um, they did. They did warn us with the title of the compilation. There were going to be moods, and so this sets a mood. It just doesn't particularly grab me. Um, I. I was like, my thinking was, are are they just now choosing film score uh, cuts at random here? But no, it's a it's a Virgin Records thing. <laughs> Within Virgin, I don't know how how they're selecting things, but maybe maybe it is based on awards and nominations. I I wasn't uh, I wasn't all all that into it, but it's it's some sort of mood. So I believe that uh, my mom I I had I heard this song a lot 
my mom had it on really a uh, cassette uh the piano soundtrack and so she was mm. she was definitely playing that a lot and uh i think it's a great piece um i won't over hype it or anything um my mood ring senses an introspective classical like piano piece that makes me imagine like i'm on a horse driven carriage out to meet my rich great uncle and seeing the beautiful countryside or but still on a mission of self-discovery or more like a young boy chilling in the back of a aerostar minivan vibing out going to grandma's house in springfield um <laughs> but no i uh, i grew up in a very musical household my mom played piano my sister played piano and they both played violin and uh, I just remember hearing this track quite a bit and I probably was annoyed with it when I was a kid and would rather listen to something else but now it just it it's just uh it's just a good memory so it's nostalgia pure mood this is one uh, Matt you mentioned the Anna music the PBS thing the the robots playing music or whatever yeah th- this is one that i think of that like it, it i got like self-playing really? piano vibes <laughs> maybe it's just because the guy is so good at piano i don't know i i was listening to this i was like it almost sounds like it's a programmed kind of thing um but i guess I, I maybe i just don't know what piano sounds like when it's played <laughs> that well uh matt you're the piano guy what did it did it, it, it didn't sound like that to you well, I mean, it, it sounded natural enough to me. It, it's funny that you mentioned that. I guess that that uh, Holly Hunter uh, actually played the piano parts in the movie, and uh, oh. the the version from this the, the the version from the soundtrack is a re-recording of the score in which Michael Nyman plays it. So uh, I, it was it was interesting that that you picked up on on the playing style. I mean, it is very precise and very you know percussive. Uh, in in kind of going after the, those those triplets and those accents, uh, but yeah. um, where where you might hear automation, I, I hear intensity, you know, emotional intensity. Hmm. Yeah, I really got nothing else to say though. I, I this uh, like I said, it's kind of in this dry stretch for me. Where these last few, I I, I don't feel very strongly about it at all. So Josh uh, is fading. I'm fading. I'm fading. Well, I know. I know. It's stereotypical of me to do that, but. Uh, I don't know. Uh, t- take us home, Matt. Well, the 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 end is here, and so is Lily, or at least she was. So th- this was a collaboration between uh, English musician David Stewart and. Uh, Dutch saxaf excuse me Dutch saxophonist um, <laughs> sexy saxophonist <laughs> well it's put a pin in that one uh can uh Dutch saxophonist Candy Dolfer it was uh for, from 1989 uh, it kind of almost came about a, as a jam session according to uh uh to Candy but uh it was included on uh it was kind of the the impetus for uh, her for Candy to compose music for her own album, which uh, is called Sexuality. So I, I know everybody, everybody loves oh sax God. puns, uh, and, and that's a very oh, a very on the beach. fitting uh, fitting one for uh, for this kind of music. Um, where have you heard it? Uh, 
It is in the commercial, uh, and also it's the Local on the Eights uh, song from uh, the Weather Channel, uh, which, 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 is kind of, which is fun and, and, and fitting, I would say. I mean, th- this song is, we're back to kind of that, that more dated sound, um, or, or at least, you know, it sounds like it came from, from 1989. Um, I don't mind this song, but it's not my favorite. Uh, I do not like the, that direct guitar tone. Yeah. Something about it kind of, kind of grates on me. It, 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 it feels very sterile. Thank you. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the saxophone is very, very stereotypically, uh, sexy saxophone sounds. Uh, so, you know, it, that might do something for you. Maybe, maybe this is, uh, maybe this is smoke your cigarette music, but, um, but I, I, you know, it, it is a mood I, I would say. Uh, so I, I think it does, it does fit, uh, with the album and, and, you know, it isn't the worst album closer. Uh, yeah, I said, this is some decent music. Uh, I'd be vibing <laughs> out hard to this if I were on an elevator at, or at JC Penney's. Uh, my mood ring is telling me that it's not Kenny G, but I keep imagining Kenny G jamming out and the buy this hip CD compilation for only eighteen ninety nine. What a deal kind of narration going on in the background. <laughs> um, I was going to say it's all right, but, you know, I won't overhype it. So uh, I, I think it's up your mood. So you enjoy this one, Logan. I did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I love I'm instrumental trying, I music. I love the fact that it sounds like it's from like some 1989 like background, you know, training video for some like it just there's this charm to it. It's, it's from a movie and, score. And I, I I don't know. I just I think there's this it, it sounds dated and I think in that it sounds dated that that's where the charm actually lies for it because uh you, you hear a lot of vaporwave uh musicians using or making striving so hard to make tracks that sound like this and they're just like mm. throwing it down and look how it's kind of you know there's there's this underground kind of subgenre of of music like this and i i think it it's kind of cool and especially that it's odd it's the irony of it being on this CD and on this compilation that you get from a, a commercial, I think the kitsch value in it alone is what makes me, you know, kind of enjoy it. Yeah. It's not that far from something that you might hear on Twin Peaks. It's kind of, I, I, I it's kind of that same eighties nighttime soap opera vibe. It's kind of, or, you know, another, I, another shade yeah. of flavor of that. It, it just is, a, it's like a nostalgic sound that like, I'm not particularly invested in, but I kind of like enjoy the throwback because it kind of makes me just kind of travel to this different time and place. And, uh, Mm. you know, that's predominantly what these tracks do for me is like, I I love instrumental music is because it, it, where others might find it boring. Like I, I, I like that I can just like turn off my thoughts and not have to think and it just take you somewhere and you just let it and you just go, just go with it. Um, but that's just me, and I. Yeah. Who knows? So, the, the, this one it was definitely the easiest one of all the things we've listened to this entire season to be able to like put on while I'm doing other things. You know, like I don't yeah. really have to sit down and 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 focus on what the lyrics are very much. I can yeah you know, just be like oh, I'm gonna put it on. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I'm not going to lie and say like I, I loved this one or anything. Uh, I, I, it was not my my thing. Uh, you were saying, Matt, the Twin Peaks thing. I, for me, I threw this one more in the camp of almost like the Crockett's theme, like the Miami Vice. Like there's maybe it's the saxophone that makes me think that, but yeah. it it gave me more of that kind of vibe. And, and I do have to say, I was annoyed at the fact that the the title of the album was Sexuality because. I have a playlist, as Matt's aware, on Spotify that I've been adding to over several years called Sax Till Midnight. That's just songs with saxophone solos prominently. And when I saw that the album was titled Sexual, I was like, that's such a better title. I'm really annoyed I didn't come up with that. Like, that's such a better title than my dumb one. Um, I think it's a fine song about an acoustic guitar and a saxophone falling in love. Um, <laughs> Is that what it's about, really? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's I think that's the story that's being told here. It's a it's a real back and forth. They're mirroring each other in their solos. Uh, it's it's a bit cheesy, but uh, uh, this Candy Dolfer, who I didn't know the existence of until I looked up the like a live version of this. I I think she can really wail. I don't know. I I was in. I think the saxophone so, sounded sounded very good. She's obviously uh, some sort of virtuoso. That that whole part was fine for me. Um, the, the other guy, I think he should have just played electric or something. So he's playing an a, an a, an acoustic electric, which sounds like it very well could be plugged directly into the console. Oh, it absolutely is. Um, it has to be as soon as you hear. I, I'm so glad to hear what Matt said because I, as I was listening, I was like, uh, "That doesn't sound right to me." What are the guitar guys going to say about this? Because this is off. As soon as you hear, obviously he's a good guitar player, and like I don't know why he's making the choices that he does. You hear the first two notes come in, and it sounds like there are intonation problems between the two strings. I don't know what's happening with the way they play off each other, but it like ruins the guitar part for me for for the whole song pretty much. Um, Obviously, he really gets into it, and he can, I, I guess, the equivalent of shredding on an acoustic electric. I don't know why. He, it, sh- it should just be an electric guitar. I think that the, the tuning would sound better. It, it's, and it's extremely hot in the mix, uh, that, that that direct guitar. That's that's a big problem of it, that where the saxophone is more laid back and I think sits better in it. It has a bit of a, a, a dated sound. I don't know if I believe that this was a jam done in one take, as is the lore that they were in the studio and just jammed it out in one take on a whim. Uh, that I don't know. That's that's a bit urban legendy sounding to me. But uh, the whole compilation could have maybe ended on more of a banger. This one w- was a little a little mediocre. But um, I do like I do like that saxophone. All right. Well, we we got through all of them. All of all of the moods. We've we've uh, oh man. We we've identified uh, their their pureness uh so now now, uh let's think about or talk about the um the compilation uh as a whole i had trouble with the banger um i i wanted to say return to innocence uh because anytime you've got john bonham in the mix uh you know you've got a lot of banger energy there but just listening back to the clips uh the the banger for me on this is is that X Files remix. It, it just it just hits so hard, <laughs> you know. Uh, so so that that's my banger. I'm going Orinoco flow, baby. <laughs> sail away, sail away, sail away. Uh, well let's let's uh let's double up here. I I also said against the odds, Orinoco flow. Hell yeah. 
<laughs> uh, I, I, it's what jumped to mind. I'm sorry. Uh, I said X Files. There we go. Yeah. Right. Even split. Even split. Okay. Weird. That never happens. Don't sleep on it. Don't sleep on it. For me, was um, surprisingly even to myself was a theme from the mission. I I just I, I think it's it's really beautiful and, and you know there's it, it's kind of a cheat because it's it's more of a suite so there's more uh, elements to it to kind of think about and evaluate. But um, you know I, I love Ennio Morricone and uh, you know I, I've not heard that after midnight or the the Herbie Hancock excuse me round midnight uh, score. I, I may go check that out, but uh, it, it was definitely Oscar worthy work. Matt, I also went theme from the mission. <laughs> it was it was my uh, one of my favorites, and uh, I'd never heard it before. So yeah, I went theme from the mission as well. Any more Coney? Interesting. Um, I said, don't sleep on tubular bells because it's it's more than just those opening notes that you hear in The Exorcist. It's so very much more. Uh, I'm going with Jeffrey Oriema's uh, Macambo. That's yeah. a that's a good choice. I think we're going to have some agreement here. Um, I, I don't need, maybe, or well, maybe uh, <laughs> at, at least we'll among see. some we'll of see. us. Um, I do see what you see in my wife with champagne shoulders, Logan. Uh, but I don't share that feeling. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to skip that one. I, that could have been one of mine as well. I'm going the promise by Michael Nyman. <laughs> it, it's the one that I just came to mind when I was thinking of which one really does nothing for me. Yeah. There were a few like that that were kind of skippable, and I just went ahead and said, uh, my wife, so my I'm, wife. I'm sorry to uh, sorry to Logan and all wives out there. Now, I, 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 have a, I could guess what I'm, uh, well, I don't know. Logan, what's your skip it? I, I was trying to, in my head, think of what you've said tonight and like which one you probably would skip. But. I'm skipping Orinoco Flow. Ooh, okay. Ooh, I should have kept track this season of the times when someone's banger has been someone's skip it. Like, I feel oh, like it's happened yeah. a handful of times. I didn't keep track of that, though, unfortunately. Was Napoleon Solo somebody's banger? Uh, Pro- maybe. Maybe. No. I what? maybe it don't. It was, Orinoco, uh, it so Chandara. Orinoco Flow just... Orinoco Flow just doesn't, doesn't do it for you, then? No. Not at all. Uh, I, it's <laughs> from Belize I, to the I've, What is there for me to emotionally attach to? I know, and that's how I. You're right. I I listen to music. I think where it's it's more of an emotional connection for me, whereas it's I don't know. It's not an intellectual I'm a thing for me. I'm more of an emotional connection. What it makes me feel like, how it. You know, I don't know. I just got all the hormones, guys. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I I think I think you've got a point in that Orinoco might be emotionally hollow. I want to clarify that my banger oh, status yeah, no, is mostly ironic. I, now that you say that, I, I get that. And I think you're right in that. I think you I approach it differently. Like, I, I guess I go always more for, like, what do I think? Like yeah. I gravitate to to certain melodic things, you know what I mean? Like, and 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 you know that you've known me long enough. Yeah, to know it. That. Um, yeah. So, uh, cover, okay. right? Cover. There's a lot to choose from. Um, I think this one is another kind of a cheat because I I would be interested in covering this just generally, but I, I would love to at least attempt an arrangement of falling. 
Um, you know, it's been covered a lot. Yeah. But uh, but I I, th- I just think it'd be fun. I actually seconded that. I also put Twin Peaks theme because I also think it would be interesting to figure out a way to do it. Yeah, I, I, that was one of my choices. I'm wondering how many rock bands have already kind of gone for this. Um, my other choice is um, Shadaness because it would be so funny <laughs> to do. Um, yeah. I, I don't like my cover pick anymore, so I don't really have a. <laughs> I don't. Ha- I don't have what a backup. It? Twin Peaks. No, uh, Lily was I, here. I was really rooting for Oxygen Part Four, uh, thinking that would be the. No, that'd be, that's good. The that's good because there's so many. This, I don't know. I'm not going to. Yeah, no. This it, this this compilation really. Good. I feel like, by the way, we've taken the wind out of Logan's sails here at the end. I feel like, yeah, I feel like we beat I'm him down with our... in this in this whole <laughs> this whole really. Uh, I, yeah, I feel like... I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I'm I'm not mad at anybody or like anything. I was just joking about all that stuff. But yeah, I I think it does raise some questions and and new th- things that I need to process for okay <laughs> no no lo- love things. Things. But, uh, love what you love and don't don't be ashamed um, of well love. it's not that i'm ashamed it's just uh there's more than just what your guys's reactions are that i'm disappointed about in this there's things that i'm disappointed in with just generally in in some of the songs and the appropriation and just the I don't know. It yeah. was kind of one of those things where it's like you were looking forward to going back to this thing from your childhood and mm. the thing where you it's like you try to go back but you can't and it's like you find out can't go home all the the little termites and bugs crawling underneath its, you know, seemingly nice yes. like a David exterior. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of disappointing to just I don't know. There's a lot of <laughs> I have a lot of process uh, uh, on, uh, on this. But, I, I will say, but, Logan, that I, I think I think that that would be a good cover because I think some of the issue that I had with that was just the tones kind of sounded a little stale and fake to me. But but I, I think there are some interesting melodic things going on. So I I think that's an actually a really good choice for for a cover. Well, thanks. I was just going to say, generally, this album is is ripe for a lot of things that I mean, because there's. I feel like uh, maybe it's just because we've been living in Tribe Called Quest land for a little while. Like, this has so much that I feel like you could interpret in a rock band, you know, in in that kind of a format. Like, it'd it'd be interesting to see a a bunch of these songs be reinterpreted that way. Um, There's there's a lot of room room for interpretation except for some of the ones that like i don't know how you would be able to cover like return to innocence <laughs> in a way that would be sincere you know uh, yeah. uh, well i, yeah, I think but. it would be taking those melodic elements and just do, doing another interpretation but uh i i, I guess yeah. to to some to sum it up uh i i was you know I, I was half joking when I suggested this, but also, you know, it, it's such it's such a ubiquitous ubiquitous cultural artifact that uh, I was really happy to have gone through everything and, you know, be exposed to things, you know, because I'd never heard that Oxygen song or, or you know, uh, theme from the mission, you know, it, it, finding new stuff, even amongst ones that you'd heard from the commercial was was definitely a, a worthwhile thing to do and, and and I think looking back at it you know it's it's definitely a, a time capsule uh, of that that era um you know there's some problems here 
I think the problems are with are with the the people that made it and their attitudes towards the music, not not necessarily so much the music itself. Um, you know, which kind of yeah. makes it sad because you know you can you can like a song, but then also know, hey, this is just kind of a bummer, um, which is which is unfortunate. But um, but I you know it's hard it's hard to not have that uh, that emotional attachment connection. I would say that this album I, I would rate this as uh, two intact sage bundles and one burning sage <laughs> bundle. Okay. Okay. So I uh, tallied up 17 tracks, right? I I liked 11 of them. And I think I was actually being kind of generous now that I think about it. But Wow. I mean, I, I did like 11 um, probably, uh, which is about 65% and or uh, 3.5 rain sticks from Natural Wonders. Remember rain oh, sticks? Good. You turn them. Like, oh, yeah. I had a rain yeah. stick. Oh, yeah. okay. Three, That's all they sold there. Yeah. <laughs> and rocks. Um, oh, it's me. Um, man, I wasn't, I wasn't as generous. I, I was not, I was just not generous. I, I felt disappointment as well. <laughs> Going back to this, not, not as fun as I thought it might be based on kind of the cloud of, of ironic enjoyment surrounding this whole phenomenon. So I, for once I actually did the the little math thing and, uh, I'm not going to make any friends with this, but I, 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 said that two songs were, were what I called truly good songs, which is an assholeish thing of me Damn. to even say. And I mean, it is what it is. And so for those two songs that I found truly good, I gave it two unicorns. It's it's an endurance thing, too. You know, that, that Shag's record was, what, 20, you know, 30 minutes? And yeah. and this is you know seventeen tracks, yeah. so long. you know there, there's there, there's a lot more uh, volume uh, to to kind of contend with. Yeah, so I'm I'm stereotypically going to rate this higher than everyone else, I'm sure. So uh, <laughs> I'll just go ahead and just say it. Um, I gave it. I liked thirteen out of the seventeen tracks. Uh, that gave me a seventy six percent or three point five slow motion women in white dresses. <laughs> but with oh, champagne that, that, but whatever pairs but well whatever. with the unicorn <laughs> that's the same rating as josh 3.5 somewhat i i said 65 percent technically but yeah well if you want to get technical yeah well technically it was 3.8 right. then so for me so, so uh that's pure moods matt you want to talk about next week uh yeah next week uh we're doing our end game episode uh we're we're closing out this season you know all, all four of us have have selected um artists and uh you know covered him and and we're going to take take some time off uh, and prepare for our our upcoming season but before we do that uh we're going to do kind of a wrap-up show we'll uh you know certainly um email uh and and twitter and instagram get at us and and we'll uh uh, we'll, we'll discuss your comments and uh, look at you know some kind of uh, season-ending stats and some of our our overall favorites and uh, we're we're gonna have uh, have a feature where we where we talk about um, one that we one that we just can't live without uh, so that that's coming up uh, next week on the Discographology podcast. Thank you for listening to more of that presents Discographology. 
We appreciate everyone who supports the show by leaving reviews, sharing and subscribing on social media, and contributing on Patreon. You can check us out on Instagram at More of That Presents, or on Twitter at Discograph Pod, and on Facebook at More of That Band. We have all kinds of playlists up on YouTube at More of That Presents Discographology. Our original music can be found on YouTube Music, Spotify, Apple Music, and all of the other streaming services. And you can check out the latest at moreofthat.bandcamp.com. Discographology is just one of the shows on the Ox Audio Podcast Network. Check out Are You There Pod for reviews of your favorite young adult novels. Tune into those spooky signals from Lupine Transmissions or open up the toy box on Shelf Life, a collector's podcast. Support the shows and get bonus content at patreon.com slash auxaudio. That's patreon.com slash A-U-X audio. Thanks again, and as always, don't forget to listen to music. Hear the rest, visit patreon.com slash auxaudio. Don't delay, subscribe now. Have your credit card ready. A-U-X, Ox Audio.